Dolphins, of course, took Skylar Thompson before the 49ers took Brock Purdy. I guess because on top of it, Skylar Thompson adds the benefit of being a 37-year-old rookie. So, <laughs> you know, you not only drafted a guy who wasn't very good in college, but, you know, he's got a very limited future because he's about to start collecting Social Security. Yeah. A few picks later, the uh, 49ers grab a guy that's leading them to the Super Bowl with a flawless record. And uh, so far, has looked as polished Honestly, as Tom Brady and his, uh, you know, uh, I don't we'll mean get to into this Brady with the big boards, but there is a lot of just this whole NFC Championship, AFC Championship weekend is just a big kick in the balls to Miami Dolphins fans. There's a, there's a lot of that going on in these two games. The time. Wake up with Defo, joined by Luby. Welcome to the Defo Show. And a very pleasant good morning, everybody. Great to be with you here on this fine Wednesday, and uh, good to have another edition of the show uh, unfolding here uh, right before our very eyes. Uh, could be a special edition today. Actually, it will be. It always is. Anytime we entertain uh, the great one himself, Mr. Tony Segreto, legendary broadcaster. We'll do a little old school at 8 o'clock today, second hour of the program. But it's going to involve a special guest today. And uh, this was a guy that was part, maybe, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, of the greatest radio bits that uh, I was a part of, either as an orchestrator, performer, and or uh, both. Uh, this one was an all-time classic for me, and, and that was uh, the Dueling Shaps, where uh, a friend of mine, Frank Miramati, who's uh, the race caller at Santa Anita now, at the time he was working at Hialeah Park, just getting started, and uh, he was down here in South Florida, and uh, we were pretty close. I was out at Hialeah doing uh, racing shows all the time on television, so, uh, you know, naturally was uh, very tight with the track announcer because uh, we, we traded off information, interviewed him quite frequently about what was going on at the track, became fast buddies, and uh, were introduced actually originally by a mutual friend of ours uh, that we knew from California, the Mighty Melendez. He said, uh, this kid's coming to town here. Uh, can you help him out in any way? Uh, Miramani, very aggressive. I mean, you talk about a guy, Luby, that's professionally aggressive. This guy is aggressive. And I uh, have to give him credit. His uh, dream job, Luby, imagine this. His dream job was to be the race caller at Santa Anita. And guess what he is? The race caller at Santa Anita. That's so cool. we uh, made That's that cool. at a very, uh, fairly young age. Now, it was not a smooth ride necessarily, but uh, he managed to stay in the game uh, no matter what. I mean, he was calling it Great Lakes Downs and all kinds of uh, Fakakta tracks uh, that he had to uh, <laughs> be involved in over the years. Started out in a nice spot, Hialeah, uh, which uh, was a... a uh, foundation for, for many, uh, many a great race caller, including the greatest uh, of all time, in most people's opinion, Tom Durkin, uh, started out. Well, he, he started out at Tampa Bay Downs and then uh, really made a name for himself at Hialeah and then got the jobs uh, in New York. Uh, Dave Johnson, and down the stretch they come. He started out at Hialeah Park and, and then went on to uh, Santa Anita fame and, uh, of course, uh, was big at the Meadowlands. And uh, after that, Dave Johnson, one of the best of the best, uh, called in New York as well. And uh, Frank Miramani, not only does he have the Santa Anita job, but uh, will be calling for the first time uh, after the retirement of uh, John Imbriel. We'll be calling for the first time. I, I guess Imbriel might be still doing Belmont. Uh, New York announcer, been around for a long, long time, and uh, was always in the shadows of Tom Durkin. Durkin retired years ago. But uh, Frank now, uh, Frank Miramati, our good friend, uh, is now the uh, race caller at Saratoga as well. That begins this year. So he's got, I mean, two of the premier jobs in, in thoroughbred racing, and that all started from some very humble beginnings. But uh, he, he calls me one night, and he says, hey, you ever see this guy on uh, ESPN, Jeremy Schapp? 
And naturally, I watch a lot of ESPN because uh, it's a big staple of, uh, you know, trying to figure out what the hell's going on in the world of sports from day to day. Uh, people always ask, hey, how do you know all this stuff about sports? How do you know everything that's going on? And, and the truth was, and I used to tell people this, it, it got a lot easier to follow uh, sports and have a, a general feel for what was happening because all you had to do was watch a 15-minute section of Sports Center, yes. and, and you pretty much had, you know, a nice uh, overview of uh, everything that was happening in the world of sport. So it became a lot easier to follow. So naturally, I'd seen a lot of Jeremy Schapp. I was a fan of his father, Dick Schapp, who Dick was Schapp. a very distinguished uh, newspaper guy and then later, uh, of course, a television commentator and uh, all around, uh, you, know, a, you know, genuine human being. And everybody loved Dick Schapp, and they liked his work as well. So uh, here's Jeremy, and uh, my friend Frank calls me one night. He says, you ever see this guy, Jeremy Schapp? He was relatively obscure at the time on ESPN, although he was uh, gaining momentum uh, and being involved in a lot of reports. And he says, you ever hear the way that he signs off? And uh, I said, yeah, yeah, sure. I've seen him a million times. He goes, uh, yeah, but it's just the way he says ESPN. <laughs> he really right? does. Because he used to close out every report by saying, I'm Jeremy Schapp. And then we'd pause for a second. Yep. ESPN. <laughs> so we started uh, having Frank come on as Jeremy Schapp, uh, doing an impression of Jeremy Schapp. And, and, and the whole game was, uh, you know, not everybody gets it, but uh, that uh, he would become increasingly more bizarre with, with uh, each passing appearance on the show. We were doing the first team then with Joe Rose and Steve Goldie Goldstein. And they were always a little bit suspect or uh, suspicious about any of my ideas. Uh, that's for sure. But uh, they went along with this one because uh, it was pretty funny. And uh, Miramani does a zillion impressions. If you're not familiar with his work, he was the race caller that was doing all of these impressions of different guys in the middle of race calls when he first started. He doesn't do that anymore. He just calls the races as himself. But in the middle of a race, he would break into like Rodney Dangerfield calling a race. Or, uh, you know, he, he would break into Marlon Brando as a godfather or uh, Marv Albert. He does a dynamite dead on Marv Albert. I mean, very distinct impressions uh, and, and of a lot of obscure people. I always told him that. I said, and, and he could imitate any race caller that ever lived uh, to a T. His idol was Trevor Denman, the uh, longtime caller out in California. There she is, exuding class. And uh, Trevor Denman had a uh, South African accent. And, uh, you know, it was very distinct. And, and you, you would swear that Miramani was Trevor Denman. You would also swear that he was Dwayne Lucas. I've told you about that other gambit that we had uh, where Hank Goldberg, who always wanted to be known as the guy that was plugged in with everybody, heard us uh, interviewing what was Frank Miramati doing an impression of D. Wayne Lucas before a big race that was taking place here, like the Florida Derby. And then uh, he uh, comes on, Hank, in the afternoon, a little envious that we had had D. Wayne on the air, which uh, we didn't have D. Wayne on the air. We had Frank on the air as D. Wayne. <laughs> and he says, I had lunch with D. Wayne Lucas, and they asked him all the wrong questions this morning. <laughs> Like, Hank, well, what kind of a tool do you look like? I mean, may you rest in peace. I love the guy, but uh, professional jealousy, uh, you know, sometimes gets you into a position where you absolutely look like a complete fool. I mean, and, and that's what happened there because, I mean, there was no D. Wayne Lucas on our show. <laughs> and if we were going to have an impersonator, of course we were going to ask him bizarre questions. <laughs> so um, anyway, he starts this impression of Jeremy Schapp, and, and every time Schapp appears, he appears as Schapp, he gets more and more out there. But he signs off all the time with the exaggerated version of, I'm Jeremy Schapp, me as Pierre. <laughs> all right, so um, producer, a guy named Robert Grieper, uh, was producing the show at the time. And uh, he says, hey, uh, you guys want to interview Jeremy Schapp? The real Jeremy Schapp. And uh, we're like, yeah, sure, why not? But uh, 
you know, I mean, maybe he's going to be sensitive to the fact that we've been doing this impression of him that um, it wasn't like it was unflattering, but, you know, we did make him look a little clown-like with that sound off. And then, you know, we were having him, you know, say more and more bizarre things every time uh, Frank did the impression. So uh, sure enough, uh, Jeremy Schaap not only was aware that we were doing the impression, but he dug it. <laughs> he thought it was hysterical. Uh, you know, which is weird because, I mean, Jeremy Schaap was a national guy. And, uh, you know, here we are doing a radio show in Miami. But he, he was well aware that there were people out there that had this guy doing an impression of Jeremy Schaap. And that not only was he amenable to uh, coming on the show, but he also agreed to participate in what we call dueling Schaaps, where uh, we would have people try to identify who the real Jeremy Schaap was. All right. So uh, Jeremy Schaap comes on and we talk to him for a little while, the, the actual Jeremy Schaap. And then we uh, have Frank come on uh, doing the impression of Jeremy Schaap. And, and uh, the bottom line was, uh, after whatever period of time we had and uh, votes were tabulated, uh, the conclusion was that uh, the phony Jeremy Schaap was the real Jeremy Schaap, and, and people were calling a real Jeremy Schaap an asshole for doing this impression. <laughs> Same thing happened to me when I was uh, doing a, a dueling Higgies. Remember Mark Higgs? Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a friend uh, who um, uh, did a dead-on impression of Higgy. And uh, sure enough, uh, we had the phony Higgy on and the actual Higgy was sitting next to me. And people thought the phony Higgy was the real Higgs. <laughs> what is that? Are you guys that you guys aren't that easy to fool? You guys are pretty sharp out there. I mean, I think we're talking to a pretty smart audience. I could, uh, you know, understand the subtle, uh, you know, sickness of having this Jeremy Schaap impression all the time. So anyway, uh, Jeremy Schaap is going to join us today. I, I, I guess I have to bring up the dueling Schaaps and see if he remembers it. I would imagine it's not as big of an incident in his life as it was in ours, because for us, it was like an hysterical home run uh, of a radio bit. And uh, yet I, I think he might remember it. I will say this, uh, and I've said it before. Uh, I was at a Met game with my friend. Uh, I read a Met fan one year uh, and, and he dragged me to a Met game and, and we're sitting in some pretty good seats. And right in a row in front of us, like like directly in front of me, uh, comes Jeremy Schaap to sit down. And he could not have been more uh, affable and, and uh, available to the fans who came up to him. I, he couldn't have been any nicer of a guy. Sat there, shot the shit with the people around him the entire time and just was a genuinely good human being. So uh, he's coming on because uh, Tony Segreto uh, was part of this thing. I guess he was either consulting or actually was interviewed he's on. as he's part on. of the uh, ESPN uh, tribute to the 72 team, which he says is dynamite. And uh, Jeremy Schaap was involved in that. Yeah. So uh, he's going to come on uh, the show with us about a uh, quarter to nine this morning uh, via video, uh, from my understanding and Luby's understanding, and uh, being part of the whole thing, Old School with Tony Segreto. So that's coming up in the uh, second hour of the program uh, during Old School. Uh, we're looking forward to that. And, uh, and then on top of that, we're, we're going to go a little overtime today. And uh, at nine o'clock, the lovely Jessica Blaylock, who, of course, is part of Bally Sports Florida, which I did not realize this. I mean, where's Jim Sarney when you need him? Sarney, what's going on with Bally Sports Florida? They're going bankrupt? Or Bally Sports in general? How could Bally Sports go bankrupt? That's impossible, Ruby. Bally's. Is that, I mean, it seems uh, maybe they're paying too much money for the teams down here. I, I don't know. How is that? How is that television network? You're saying they're, they're filing for bankruptcy? Is that true? There's been reports that they're headed toward bankruptcy, the, the network. Is it Minervini's salary? What is it? I, I, supposedly, they're paying a lot uh, for rights that they don't make a lot. Like, people actually, their ratings are an abomination. Yeah. I, I would think that that would be uh, true. I mean, I would imagine radio ratings for uh, sports franchises right now, and I have to think, are uh, boring on Plutarski 0.0. I, I know it was just a big deal. The uh, Dolphins uh, switched uh, and moved their rights 
from uh, WQAM yeah, down here at a local station. Um, how that's going to work at all? Yeah, and they're they're owned by uh, Odyssey uh, Odyssey uh, Sports uh, or whatever Odyssey Network, and uh, now moved to uh, iHeart. Which iHeart? I mean, speaking of bankruptcy, how, how many meetings did we have where uh, the management assured us that they would have money to pay us the rest of the year? There, I was making like ten bucks an hour as a part-time guy and uh, essentially running uh, a renegade business right out of their own operation, which was great. And uh, Louie and I—it wasn't like it was easy all the time. I mean, you know, you're, you're selling your own advertising and doing all of that, but uh, you know, it'd be a lot easier to just come in there and have somebody hand you a couple of hundred thousand to do a show, wouldn't it? Yes. Those were the days. <laughs> it can be very lucrative and it can also be very frustrating, as uh, we, we know from uh, being in this endeavor for a long, long time now, where uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, the guy that you had your uh, biggest contract with uh, says, hey, guess what? I'm retiring. And you're like, what? And he was your only connection. Now you, you have to make up the money. It's not like, uh, you know, they're just going to hand it to you. But uh, iHeart has been like uh, threatening, Bankruptcy you know, to like uh, I mean, not threatening, but <laughs> threatened by just about every creditor they have uh, that they were going to shut their doors. And they would bring in some guy that was supposedly brilliant. What was the head guy's name? Uh, I heart. Uh, I want to say Bob something. Oh, oh, man. Bob Pittman. No. Bob Pittman. Pittman. Bob yeah, Pittman. Pittman. And then Pittman would have like an annual meeting with all of the people. We had seven radio stations in the uh, complex there in the cluster, as they call it. And uh, it was mandatory, right? It didn't matter. Like, uh, you just got off a morning show at 10 o'clock after being up from 4 in the morning, and they tell you, you better be here at 12 when Pittman shows up. Uh, okay, yeah, well, I'll sleep in the lounge for a couple of hours and then uh, listen to something that's going to be so completely irrelevant to anything that, that I'm doing that, uh, you know, and a guy would paint like a picture, a rosy picture, a pie in the sky of how the company is emerging from this hideous uh, financial situation where they're $30 billion in the hole. <laughs> And he would look over to the henchman, you know, the bean counter there and say, you know what? By next year, we'll only be $29 billion down. And I'm like, whoa, I tell you, well, that's a relief to me. <laughs> I'm sure those uh, health insurance prices uh, will go right in the line there where you guys are paying everything for uh, all of the employees. But uh, they're still in business, and they managed to uh, secure the rights for uh, the Miami Dolphins. I, I think the big issue there was the uh, Dolphins wanted to be on an FM radio station of some significance. Yes. And uh, – they had left, uh, as uh, franchises had a tendency to do. I mean, when we signed up for that job at uh, iHeartRadio, they had the Miami Heat and the Miami Dolphins. Yes. And uh, then uh, later they, they acquired the Marlins, but uh, the Heat left in the middle of the season, not even the middle of the season, after three games into the yeah, season. Like the I've never week. seen that. They changed radio stations. When they they found a loophole in the contract and uh, said, uh, well, if we're not being uh, you know afforded or, or recorded the same considerations as the Dolphins, then uh, we're out. And uh, sure enough, they were able to uh, weasel their way. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say the heat did that. but uh, and, I, and the truth was, the signal on the station that they were being carried on, you, you couldn't hear it in Broward County anyway at night, 940 winds. So it was a very poor signal in parts of Broward County. So, so what good is that when, uh, you know, are, are the heat followed more by people in Broward or Dade? What would you say? That, that's an interesting uh, question to address. I, I don't know how the uh, demographics play out. I, I would think the Heat were kind of a Broward thing, but uh, it does seem like they have a huge Hispanic following for the Miami Heat, that young Latins are the ones that comprise a lot of the audience. I there. just think the youth period, I mean, it's the one franchise down here that's won consistently their entire life. Like, look, on five reasons, I've joked about this a lot, but, like, we can talk about anything, and our numbers are in. We do anything Heat, like our one yesterday is up to 1.2 views. 1,200 views because right. I found a five-minute segment of us talking about the heat, and I did an intro and an outro. So it's a 15-minute segment talking about the heat, and it's up to 1,200 views. 
If we talked about the Dolphins, the Dolphins can sign a quarterback and be a big friggin' deal. They could get Aaron Rodgers. It's yeah. like 400 views. If we talk about the Marlins, it's like 60. So it's like, oh, no. Marlins are Or bad. Panthers, like grabbing Blaylock on. And, you know, they're hosting the All-Star game. The Panthers were the number one seed last year. I would fluff it up. And it'd have like 80 views. So, like, the Heat are the, it's the, I think, I'm trying to decipher if it's Broward or Dade, but I think it's the South Florida, like the South Florida, I would say my age and down. Like, when I was growing up, it was the Dolphins and some yeah. people like the Heat. Now, it's the Heat and it's not even close. Like, the Heat are their own animal and then everyone else just surrounds them. Uh, that's sort of surprising to me. I mean, I would always think that the uh, Dolphins were the big kahuna here. And at the interest, uh, you know, Heat he would probably be second. And, you know, the Marlins are always going to stagger for attention uh, in this town. It really seems like it's irrelevant what they're doing from year to year. Uh, they got a little bit of a, an upswing, an uptick in interest when uh, Derek Jeter first signed on. And uh, once again, I mean, you give people periodic rise for hope. But uh, that quickly dissipated, and it looked like it was going to be a mess. And, and it didn't seem like uh, Jeter was really all that happy to be immersing himself into being an ambassador for the team. That, that, that could have worked out a lot better, right? You, you would have accepted a lot of losing seasons for the uh, Miami Marlins if uh, you could have kind of rallied behind Derek Jeter, if he was one of those guys that uh, made himself a big public presence. Uh, where yeah, I mean, uh, look, look at uh, even, even Mark Cuban with the Dallas Mavericks. Nobody gave a shit about the Mavericks, but they did give a shit about Cuban. Yes. And uh, so, you know, by him becoming the centerpiece and always railing away, fighting for his team and tackling uh, David Stern about issues of unfairness and this, that and the other thing, get fined all the time. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, that they, they had a little uh, upswing in their ability to play. And, and the next thing you know, they were selling out every night. But but Cuban helped, uh, you know kind of set the pace for a lot of it. But Cuban sat courtside. Cuban yeah. did interviews all the time. He fought with refs. He went on national media bitching so yeah. that he was a lightning rod, and then yeah. he became a personality. It's actually, Jeter did it like the first week when he did that friggin' press conference that all of us bitched about, and we talked about the Marlins for like a month because right. we're like, fire sale. Like, what? you actually have a young core. Just get fucking pitching. Like, what are you talking about? And then we stopped because he then went back to being Derek Jeter, wanted nothing to do with anything, was never out there. Literally, very, we, very distant. We got yes. one interview with him as the flagship and the only show that had anything to do with live sports really on the station. And he never embraced it. He never was willing to be that guy. No. If Jeter was the type of guy that would pick up the phone, you know, and, and uh, I mean, Pat Riley was very uh, visible uh, yes, to, I mean, he's, he's kind of distanced himself from that and being the, the face of the uh, Heat franchise, even though he is, but, uh, you know, he he doesn't do as many interviews as he used to. I mean, he, we used to count on Pat Riley coming year. on the air uh, like every couple of weeks oh, and, and giving us uh, nothing but pure, uh, you know, pearls of wisdom and brilliance. Yeah. And, and so it made you like the Miami Heat, whether you uh, were a Pat Riley fan or not. You were thinking, wow, this guy's fascinating. I'm going to go. I'm going to catch a couple of games, see what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. um, Jeter never did uh, much of that, uh, any of that uh, for that matter. Right. Uh, even when we were out there at spring training and he was standing around. Yep. You, you figure, uh, you know, and, and Mattingly was always, uh, you know, uh, agreeable to uh, come on any show and would give you all the time in the world and sat down and you got the feeling that he genuinely enjoyed talking to people, whereas uh, Jeter was uh, very aloof and distant, much like he was uh, with the uh, New York press who protected him forever from uh, any kind of controversy or scandalous behavior, uh, even though he, he literally had a conveyor belt of women coming in and out of his apartment. <laughs> and as they were leaving, he would hand them one of those popcorns in the cylindrical cone. <laughs> <laughs> like it was a movie. Which also became a megaphone. Remember that when you used to get the uh, popcorn? That was at Met games. I don't know. If, I think they did it at Yankee games too, where the popcorn came in like a cardboard uh, cylinder, 
and it was packed in, uh, you know, some kind of cellophane. So you would bust that open, and then after you finished the popcorn, you would have a thing that were going, you suck! <laughs> the rest of the game, right? And uh, you kind of love that. But, uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't really uh, do much to enhance the uh, image. And, and uh, the Panthers, uh, do they have, like, a central spokesperson oh. or somebody? I mean, uh, I, I know they got Kachuk, and that was good, and he's a high-profile player. But, um, I mean, what, what do you see of the uh, Florida Panthers in the community uh, next to zero? Nothing. They might be doing some good things in the community, but, I mean, uh, they used to be doing appearances, and they were here, they were there, right? You'd see Screwy Scroodlin was, uh, you know, handing out, uh, you know, uh, gifts somewhere, uh, you know, to little kids that were in need. Uh, you know, they, they were doing all kinds of stuff like that, but on a regular basis. And uh, I'll never forget one of the most, uh, I mean, outrageous crowds I've ever seen to get an autograph from somebody uh, took place, uh, you know, where Beach Place, you know, Beach Place there uh, with yes. uh, Lulu's Bait Shack and River all that front. stuff. Yep, yep. This was, uh, you know, early on in the early stages yeah. of when they were just building up that area of the uh, Fort Lauderdale Beach and kind of revising it from just being like the elbow room yeah, yeah, and yeah. a bunch of dingy bars. And uh, I, I remember I had to uh, show up and uh, appear like like you did uh, there with uh, Ryan Tannehill at a Dick's Sporting Goods. So I had to show up at uh, this place where, where uh, John Van Beesbrook was signing autographs at uh, Beach Place. And, and the line, I mean, literally, I've, I've never seen a longer line to uh, get an autograph from anybody here in South Florida. And that includes Dan Marino. If Marino was signing autographs, I, I don't think the line would have been any longer. Oh, wow. The Beezer was not popular because uh, they... they Kind of were a team that uh, people embraced. They, they were these underdogs. They were overachieving third year in the league, and they were in the Stanley Cup final against the almighty Colorado Avalanche. Uh, you know, and even though they lost that, they fought them tooth and nail. They had won uh, three dramatic series leading up to that. So uh, they, they really had entrenched themselves in the community, and, and then uh, a lot of that dissipated shortly thereafter. And I, I don't think they've found that kind of spark here uh, to ignite people's interest in the Panther hockey since. So uh, th those two teams are kind of off the map. I, I would have to give it to you. Yeah, the Heat, surprisingly, a uh, number one interest. But y you would think it was more of a Broward thing than uh, Dade County. And yet, nah, it's just I, I, I don't know that that's true. Yeah. So um, anyway, uh, the, uh, the uh, where were we on this well, the thing networks, here? It's the, I don't yeah, know if they're bankrupt yeah. yet, but they're heading toward, I, which is weird. Like, I thought there was a decent, we always hear, yeah, no one goes to games, but they watch at home. Right. I, I'm curious because I was talking to the professor about it, and he's like, "I'm like, so is no one going to air these games?" What? He's like, "No, they'll go to streaming." I'm like, "Oh, that." Uh, what, Imagine that. That's, that's what happened to the Expos. Yeah. When Dave Van Horn was, uh, they, they had no radio contract. Um, they did get rid of uh, Glenn Geffner as one of their broadcasters. Yes, they which, did. Um, uh, you know, I mean, that's uh, obviously a move that uh, you would think uh, would not bode well for uh, their listening. Uh, you know followers uh, who, uh, you know, had, had got, you, you want to, you know, you know your radio voice, right? It's kind of like, uh, it's a personal uh, thing. I, I, I can say uh, with, with all sincerity, it's hard to watch an entire Marlins game. And, and rarely do I tune in uh, and watch much more than, uh, you know, a few minutes at a time of Panther, ho Panther hockey. Oh, God. I, I, I mean, I, I never planned my evening by saying, hey, uh, they start, they drop the puck at 730 and I'm going to watch the entire game. Do you ever find yourself doing well, that that's uh, the anymore? Thing is, th that's why this news it, it sad makes me sad just as a general standpoint. But I actually haven't had Fox Sports Florida, and I've never had Valley Sports the last three oh, years. Yeah? So I actually haven't been able to watch either team regular season anyways, any of the three. And it hasn't changed my life at all. And we do this for a living. I just check highlights, I stats, I read articles. And it hasn't changed anything in my life. So it's like, but 10 years ago, it would have been a big, like I wouldn't have been able to, 
survive. Yeah, you you would have blown your brains out. Yeah, you would have moved. A ton of games. I don't watch it. That's even the Heat regular season. Like, I, I, if they're on a national game, okay, I watch it. But other than that, I don't need. I'm like, I don't care about watching the right outside of the NFL. I don't care about any reg, like the regular seasons have have so little importance to me these days. It's weird. Yeah, I, I like having the option. I mean, I still it's always great, enjoy watching like, sports. Yeah. And uh, enjoy, uh, you know, the whole aspect of it, including, I mean, being involved in broadcasting. Naturally, you're checking it out helps. the broadcast and see how that goes. And, uh, you know, and, and they do have some exciting players here in town. Uh, you know, the Marlins are trying to revamp themselves. But uh, uh, to what extent uh, they're going to improve, I, I, I really don't know. And uh, now the Dolphins, uh, is it really true that Aaron Rodgers, I mean, uh, it sounds like he's leaning towards actually going to the New York Jets. That'd be I don't so know. funny. You know, making a premature evaluation on that, but uh, the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett, and he was pointing out, "Hey, is that not a precursor to Aaron Rodgers signing with the Jets?" Rodgers, uh, you know, goes ahead and and uh, disseminates uh, all of his news uh, through uh, the uh, Pat McAfee podcast. Be nice if he would do it here. He's but, a part uh, owner, you know that, right? He's like a fifty percent owner of the freaking podcast. That's why he goes. Yeah, there. it's like LeBron. Well, and it's great. I mean, because uh, you know you don't have reporters breaking stories anymore, but you're getting it straight from Aaron Rodgers on the podcast, and he's talking, uh, you know, in you know the, the kind of uh, parameters that that he never does during any kind of other uh, press opportunity. And I mean, he, he sort of has uh, intimated that uh, that that's. Not an outrageous possibility that, uh, you know, he could end up and the uh, newspapers are all over it. Right. I mean, they're sucking this up. The New York Post. They already have on the back page Rogers in a jet hat. I love they're it. They're not. I, I think <laughs> I, I think that's what you, look, they are. In a oh, it's a Green Bay hat. It looks like a jet. hat. No quarter. No quarter <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm curious to see. I mean, I just I, I feel like he's getting to the place where he doesn't have anything left. Maybe a new a new destination wakes him. I don't know. Oh, a one-year prop as a quarterback of the Jets. I mean, uh, could he not fix a lot of the Jets' problems on a one-year proposition? Rogers, to at most. This isn't like Brett Favre necessarily coming to the Jets as a shot fighter. Uh, Rogers still, I think, has a little bit of life left in him. And in a right situation where you know, I mean, it's hard to tell whether or not he's going to be a sourpuss or not, but because uh, nobody can figure out exactly what's in that uh, drug-induced brain matter that he has. Uh, although he doesn't appear to be like uh, you know. A, it's not like he's some guy that you go, wow. I mean, what, what a, how did this guy ever get through college, you know, or oh, he's through a, a couple of courses? Yeah, he's, he seems like a bright guy. He's become crazy, and and him dealing with the that, – what, that's what I mean is Aaron Rodgers' personality was in Green Bay, and the last yeah. couple of years has sort of gotten persnickety. What is he going to do with the, the New York media? They don't give a shit. Oh, they're going to be in love with him, though, unless he uh, unless yeah, he bombs, in which case. <laughs> like, it's the Jets. They're not going to go undefeated. <laughs> like, no, but uh, – if they, you know, you would have to say that better quarterback play might have, uh, you know, helped them quite a bit, and it puts the Dolphins in a weird situation if they get Rodgers, because uh, now all of a sudden uh, all of the assets that they have seem like they would be more valuable, uh, especially that wide receiver, the kid, is oh, unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, and uh, you know, they weren't horrible. I mean, uh, they fell apart, but they, they had, you know, they had Hack Wilson in and out of the lineup there. And, uh, you know, this guy White, uh, you know, we'd have one good game like a lot of backups do. And then I revert back to being the guy that you said, yeah, no wonder he was fourth string. So could be uh, could be a big differential. Anyway, that was uh, part of the uh, NFL news. Uh, but wasn't it Rodgers, uh, too? I mean, uh, weren't people angry with Aaron Rodgers for, uh, you know, kind of uh, leveraging the whole idea that he might retire uh, before, uh, you know, and taking the spotlight away from Super Bowls in the past? He did last oh, year. Wasn't that Rodgers? Yeah. Yeah, it was last year or the year before. He started bitching. 
or it was around the draft. It was either draft or the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, the draft. Where... He, he he really like uh, kind of soiled the whole uh, idea that the draft was going to be of some great importance from a, a newsworthy standpoint and uh, stole the spotlight and all anybody wanted to talk about. It, it was kind of like when Rachel Nichols was hiding under uh, Brett Favre's car <laughs> in the driveway because uh, nobody could get to Brett Favre. And, uh, you know, they, they were stalking him in, uh, like, ridiculous fashions to uh, try and get anything, any, you know, pearl of wisdom that he might be able to uh, impart to them, even though he wasn't saying shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bunch of stuff here, Louie. We'll get to it all. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. Uh, what did Sarney say about this? Uh, Sarney had something. No, uh, saying, 39 uh, seem like it's regional Florida, sports networks. But you never said it was Florida. in Florida. You're not saying it was in no. Florida. We're just talking about Florida because that's where we reside. And I responded, I know. That's what we're saying. <laughs> like it's the whole like it was Fox Sports which still exists but it doesn't yeah. exist doing games Bally Sports took the games and Bally's is doing well Bally Sports I'm sure is fine this is not a profitable venture for them they're paying a lot for these rights and yeah. locally they found outside of certain cities people don't care no, and the advertiser response, I would imagine, would be marginal, although a lot of uh, advertisers do. I, I would think that they have some kind of package where, you know, you have to buy everything, right? You're in the stadium, uh, you know, advertising program. You're on TV, radio, whatever. I'm not sure how they sell it, but uh, it, it does seem like it would be prohibitive here. I mean, uh, how do you convince somebody that lives here in town that, uh, hey, you know where your ads would really look good? Marlins baseball. Yeah, like no one cares. Like That's the thing. It's not worth it for companies to advertise there. By the third game of the season. And the rates are nuts. Like, we learned. Like, that's what's funny about these industries is, like, when things are struggling, instead of just working things out so you can make money, they have the fucking stupid mentality of, well, it's worth this. It's worth what someone's willing to pay. That's literally the definition of what value is. So because you think it's worth that, if no one's willing to pay it, you're now losing money because you're making no money. And that's the problem. Oh, it was laughable, right, when we used to meet with the salespeople there. And, uh, you know, they would say, well, I put a package together here. Uh, see, see if, uh, you know, see if you can go out to the meeting there and uh, help convince them to go ahead and pay this. You know, and you look and go, my God, what are you, what are you talking about there? <laughs> and these the spots are going for $10 a shot. <laughs> you, you need to give this guy like a million spots, yeah. uh, you know, for like one-tenth of that money. And, uh, you know, they, they would, and they would take a hard line. Like, the guy would agree to almost pay, like, the entire amount. And then he go, oh, no, we're not giving any discounts today. And they'd end up with nothing, right? Who was that guy? Todd Winnick, one of the worst, uh, you oh, know, human beings I ever met in the business. pissed off people who wanted to be there. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have this weird... How, how is that guy still working, huh? I mean... Because they're ra- Radio, uh, you know, executives uh, really became, I mean, uh, just uh, beyond... A- instead of getting more creative and, uh, you know, trying to find ways to uh, use the medium... In in the way that it, uh, you know it had advantages, they would go with I mean like a rich coat tight school of coaching, right? Let's just go with with the standard shit. I mean, look, look what's happening, right? You you have a radio station that's about to uh, carry uh, you know a, a flagship station for a local pro football team, most popular team in town, as you said, and, and they don't have any shows. I'm I'm really curious, and I have said it online, and we've been very cordial in our absence, but I said this openly because I'm actually curious how it will work because. A lot of times, yes, teams hire their own people, and, yeah. and Jemmy went from station to station, and that's fine. But usually, the live on-air presence will be worked into broadcast pre, post, during the week. You'll do interview. Like, I'm curious how the what 
yes, they want FM, but the FM station is a rock station that does not like Paul. Yeah, they're, they're going to do nothing high there, you know. once a week or something, and sure. maybe like a scoop. But they do no sports. Like I, so I'm like, I, I get it. I've learned it from you. No one cares about sports or like games on radio anymore. So I guess that's what it is. You go where, wherever you're accepted. But I'm like, how does this work? There's no live sport. Like, how does this work? <laughs> like, I, I don't well, know. I mean, you're asking people to tune into a game that most people that even uh, do listen to the station on a regular basis don't listen to, and <laughs> you know, you have no foundation around it. Nothing. I mean, there's no reason for I would imagine people have difficulty finding out where, except for the fact that, you know, that they'll do a big campaign on this FM station, which does have listeners. But, uh, you know, the, the and, and I think that was the reason for the Dolphins to move. The, the biggest reason probably was, uh, hey, look, who wants to be on AM radio anymore? Nobody. It's uh, just a useless endeavor for the most part. Right. I saw Joe Zagaki uh, doing a U.M. basketball play last night. I. I saw Josie uh, when, when they were playing against uh, Florida State, Tallahassee. He was pretty much prominently in the uh, center camera shot the whole time. Uh, anytime they, like, panned over to Laranega, you would see Joe there at the end of the uh, scorer's table. And uh, I'm thinking, who, who, who the hell's listening to these games on the radio? Right? If you can even hear them. Because, uh, you know, the signals are, are very poor. Uh, Look, all what I'll now. do a lot of the time now, and as I'm talking to Anthony, yes, once in a while, if I'm driving, I'll put it on, but... The most part, because I can stream everything to my phone. And I don't yeah. know if it's safe or not, but the broadcast, as much as we mock the broadcast, for the most part, I like the national broadcast more than the local. So what I will do is put the TV on my freaking phone, sit it here, I'll drive, I won't watch it, I'll be safe, but I will turn up the volume, and you can Bluetooth so I can actually play it through my car. So now I get the TV broadcast while I'm driving. Like, And I don't think I'm the only one that does that. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who listens well, all to I can people. think of, uh, you know, is down to the Godfather, right? This is the business we have chosen. What have they done to the earth? <laughs> it, it's crazy. Now, now uh, we know the world has changed, and it, it's fluid. fortunate for us, right? I mean, all of towards gambling and uh, video streaming, which you can yes. do from your bedroom, yes. and, and actually look like uh, you're doing a professional television show, which uh, is amazing to me. I mean, you used to need, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment to be able to put together uh, even the simplest of shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you can go out, uh, you know, with a you know a camera and a computer and a couple of lights and look like no different than when you see these panel discussions on uh, any network, which is uh, pretty incredible. So uh, we're fortunate there. We just have to find a way to make it uh, very, very profitable. That that would be, you know, the next step in this uh, this whole game. Well, what's the uh, story on the uh, meeting with Scoop, by the way? Not to uh, conduct Friday. business on the he's Oh, Friday. Okay, he's coming out. coming out to the stream because I know that's, that's where good. you'll for sure be. <laughs> I'll be there for sure. Yeah, I might I might have to pass on the uh, shenanigans today just because uh, it's hell, uh, you know, for me to drive there and back. That, that's all. I love being there. I agree. I drive all over yeah. South Florida for the thing. Well, you, you unfortunately, uh, became an essential. Be yes. Yeah. Me, I could just plug this in and, uh, you know, Mayo will ask me what, if I like mayonnaise on a hot dog. And I say, <laughs> yeah, no, tell you the truth, Mike. Tony puts mayonnaise on a hot dog. Whoosh, that's going straight in the trash. Um, all right, we, we mentioned Miami over uh, Virginia Tech uh, real quickly. Nigel Pack, how about this? Five-minute span. He scored 17 points. And oh, guess wow. how many points he had in the game? A five-minute span. He went... Uh, 20. Uh, he ended up at 17. That, those were all of his points. Yeah, he went Reggie Miller. 17 points in five minutes, and uh, that helped uh, Miami pull away from Virginia Tech. So they're now 17-5 and five under Jimmy L. And 8-4 uh, and four in the ACC, which is pretty wide open. They play Saturday at Clemson. Clemson, surprisingly, and uh, Sarnia love this, lost to BC, who's oh. been a very weak entry. Mm. 
in uh, in uh, ACC basketball. Kansas and Kansas State was the big game in college basketball last night, and uh, Kansas uh, got retribution for uh, that narrow loss that they suffered at the hands of Kansas State. This was in Kansas. Well, obviously it was in Kansas, but it was at uh, the uh, home of uh, the uh, Kansas uh, Jayhawks, right? Jayhawks we're talking about. Uh, 90-78 was the final there. Both teams now 18-4. and four. Wide open. I mean, uh, the NCAA tournament this year has to be the most wide open affair you've ever seen, right? Purdue was a unanimous number one, and they got that guy, Zach Eady, who, uh, why, why doesn't a professor like him? He, he's been spectacular. He's going to be the player of the year in college basketball, is he not? Edie, know, the big he, guy, big seven six guy, whatever he is. Has he criticized the Purdue? I don't know. Maybe he has. I, I, the only one. I he, he, he doesn't really love him that much. Uh, but I, I think the guy is, is, you know, he's got some nice, sound, fundamental, you know, uh, offensive skills. Uh, I mean, he may not be uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but uh, you know, he, he still, you know, he's very, very functional in there, and obviously uh, in a position to dominate because he's so fucking tall. So that, that's great. Um, and, and then uh, the other story there is uh, Rodney Terry, I, I guess, the interim Texas coach, uh, took over for Chris Beard, who got in some domestic dispute yeah, yeah. and uh, ended up being charged with a felony. So they had to drop him real quick. Although, uh, you know, that's not always cause for dismissal uh, when it comes to coaches. Players, maybe so. Uh, so Rodney Terry is now uh, uh, with Texas 18-4 and four on the season. And uh, he, he's got them playing some really good basketball. They're 7-2. and two. In our conference. I, I, I didn't know this, uh, Louis. Th- this used to be something that you would have to, it was part of the knowledge that you had to have. It, it was, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, you, you, you had to at least possess, uh, you know, the knowledge of what teams were in what conference, right? Oh, yeah. And, and names of stadiums used to be important to uh, guys that were doing sports casting. You looked like a fool if you didn't know, uh, know what yeah, you were talking yeah. about. Now, I, I feel no shame about having no idea what the hell is going on. I, I didn't realize this. Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU are all going to be in a this Big 12. Year. Year. This year, yeah. They start this year. Wow. So who else is in there? I, well, how Texas, many teams are in there? What are they? Like 16 teams now? Because Texas, 20? Oklahoma leave next year. Oh, okay. That'll uh, take you a while to catch up with at 72. Yeah. And then the next uh, year, uh, I think Utah and USC go to the Big 10, and I'm curious if anyone else goes with them. Um, and then it's going to feels like it's going to be all hell breaks loose. We'll see. All right. Uh, Heat winners last night over the Cavs. Yes, Jimmy Butler nice with 23. Talk about balanced scoring. Uh, Caleb Martin, Bam yeah, Adebayo, Tyler Hero, all 18 points in that ballgame. Uh, Mitchell uh, misses a three. Donovan Mitchell misses a three at the buzzer. And the Cavaliers go down. They were having a real good season. So uh, that was a significant win. And uh, one of the uh, days of days uh, in the, the local broadcasting industry. Uh, is upon us here today, although, uh, as we now know, it doesn't hold as much water as it used to, as much significance as it used to, and that is National Letter of Intent Signing oh, Day. Oh, yeah, this is the official. Today's the official, official one. This That's is the true. big one. This it's, is Max M. Finger. This is, uh, you know, any guy you can find who can talk about high school football players from around the country, which, uh, was anybody scouting that high school team where the coach was playing? <laughs> you see that story? No. Uh, coach, a high school team. I don't know if they were just short a player or, you know, what the hell the story was behind this. I don't know that they really addressed that aspect of it. They just thought, wow, how ridiculous is it that this coach pretended to be a 13-year-old and was out there playing with her high school basketball team? Oh, Jesus. She's supposed to be coaching. I don't know if she was an assistant or the head coach. <laughs> Can't imagine. It didn't look like, uh, you know, the, the school was a relatively insignificant one in terms of, uh, you know, it's not like you were talking about modern day here, but... Uh, uh, the uh, coach suited up and played and pretended to be 13 years old. Oh, and it was supposed to be a 13-year-old. There you go. Yeah. That's really believable. 
It's like junior high, right? Yes. In the name of, uh, you know, sports and integrity, right? <laughs> All right, well, we have a lot more to talk about. The uh, line in the Super Bowl inching a little bit more towards Kansas City, now down to one and a hook the last time I looked. Uh, Philadelphia opened up as a two-point favorite in that game, uh, and a lot of people were saying, well, because the line held steady, everybody knows Philadelphia is going to win in a runaway. Uh, you could buy that theory. I, I, I don't know. I mean, do we sell out on Kansas City? I, I'm going to be rooting for KC in the game. I would like to see Mahomes uh, win again. I, I really would. And I'm hoping that he has a stellar performance. Nothing against the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't have a huge rooting interest in, in either team. I, I genu- generally kind of go with the AFC over the NFC because uh, we're an AFC uh, city, and I was always an AFC fan, AFL fan. So, uh, you know, I'm going to pull for the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. Uh, would I take one and a half? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, it's very easy to see Philadelphia winning this game. And just uh, grinding them down to a nub with a better offensive and defensive line. So yeah. uh, we'll talk some more about that later on, I'm sure, with Tony. Tony Segretto is going to join us. Jeremy Schapp going to be with us yes. in the 8 o'clock hour as well, uh, talking about that 72 documentary and maybe some other things. And uh, Jessica Blaylock at 9 o'clock from uh, hopefully the uh, still very uh, financially sound Valley Sports Network here in South Florida, where she does a great job. Uh, covering both the Panthers, and uh, we'll find out, that, does Paul Maurice have a personality? <laughs> or is he the French Joe Philbin? Uh, I mean, do we put that to her in that fashion? Uh, she, yeah, she might get it. Yeah, She'll play along with it. Yeah, 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 you can do that. I and then the Marlins, with all these changes, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, the Marlins, what shot did they have with a bunch of guys that were hitting, you know, 240 or less and no power? Zero. Right in a ballpark that's not conducive to uh, producing uh, a lot of home runs anyway. I mean, uh, these guys had no chance to do anything if you're going to have nobody on base. You know what I watched last night that I hadn't really seen uh, a lot of, but uh, I'd seen bits and pieces of it. I was always uh, catching the end of this movie and never really saw the body of it. Was uh, Moneyball with Brad Pitt? Uh, You know, as a baseball movie, uh, pretty entertaining. I I, I would have to say, I I watched it. uh, You know, I liked the way they. Sort of, uh, you know, showed the 20-game winning streak that they had. I didn't realize in 2002 the the A's, uh, you know, after getting rid of everybody and playing a little uh, Billy Bean Moneyball, uh, ended up uh, winning 20 games in a row at one point during the season after getting off to a horrible start. All right, uh, we're coming back with more. Hylia Park, great place to go. Uh, boxing uh, comes your way on February 24th, so that's right around the corner here. Uh, just getting into it. It's actually 2-1-23 today, 2-1-23. And uh, what, what is it? Is tomorrow Groundhog's Day? Yes. February 2nd? Okay. Yes. February is a ripoff of a month, by the way. It's my least favorite <laughs> month. Your rent is due before you know it. You just paid it, right? Uh, maybe you extended it all the way to the uh, last possible moment or you know, your, you know, your mortgage payment. And then right back again, right? It's right back in your face. Uh, 28 days. Is this a leap year? I'm hoping for a leap year this year. Is it a leap year? When, when was the last leap year? Had to be like 100 years ago, no? <laughs> Did we still have leap year, or did uh, Ron DeSantis eliminate that? No more leap year. What do you think, Ron? Well, what's he doing, by the way, trying to uh, restrict uh, the curriculum of uh, colleges in the state of Florida? Next year is the next leap year. Next year. Well, that sucks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think every year should have a leap year. That'd be fine. 28 days. I mean, give me 30 days, February. What are you talking days. about, 28 days? That's my sugar. That's four weeks right on the nose. You need a little extra, you know, how about uh, a little breakage there on the coins? Huh? 
I mean, let that horse pay $19.60, because if you're having enough times, the 60 cents adds up. But um, no, that's how good it is, right? February, the biggest ripoff month, would you say? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Especially with paying bills. Like, it's annoying. You it's disgusting. It really is. And, and then nobody's paying you on time, and, you know, you get into that whole thing. It, it, it's just a mess. All right. Um, Highly Park, though, uh, February 24th. Circle that date on your social calendar. That, that's going to be when they have the boxing there. Uh, Guillermo Rigondeau. Saw some clips uh, they had uh, up on their webpage there on HyliaPark.com. And you can get all the information about the fights and everything else that's going on there at Hylia Park uh, right there. And uh, dining events and parties and book private parties and all kinds of special events. And musical uh, extravaganzas they have, poker tournaments. Uh, they just had the National Handicapping Championship uh, event there on the 29th. And so uh, they're always doing something special in Hylia Park. And so while we're checking in on their website, uh, HyliaPark.com. But uh, you- you'll see the card there. And I saw some clips of uh, Regan now working out. I guess yeah. I, I, this must have been something they just took in the gym. He had some new uh, modern device there that was like, uh, you know, I, I guess a technological advance from. And and I love boxing because almost everything is still in a stone age there. Nothing's changed at the methods. They don't train any differently. They don't promote the fights much differently, right? They're still tacking up a picture of some guy like this on a telephone pole and telling you, hey, be at the uh, be at the auditorium on uh, you know Tuesday night, where so and so is going to be in the main event. Uh, but Riganow looks sharp, and, and he was working out on this thing that was like uh, I said, it looked like a replacement for the speed bag, and uh, he's gone away from like the funky hair that he always uh, displayed. So uh, I don't know. Does that mean he's all business, Libby? When, when you've had like bizarre hairdos your entire boxing career? Yep. I mean, this guy was the Cuban Paulie Malinaji when it came to hair. So uh, you know, he, he uh, he's going to be the headliner, and a very talented guy, multiple world champion. So. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a fine card with a lot of interesting prospects and naturally the Cuban connection you get with Louis de Cubis and uh, Leon Margulies. So uh, check that out. Get your tickets uh, well in advance there, and uh, you'll never uh, be upset that you attended an event at Hialeah Park. Get a player's card uh, that night if you don't have one already, and uh, you'll get all kinds of freebies. Who knows? You may even light up the slot machines just by using uh, the free play, the generous allotment of free play. One of the best rewards programs anywhere in the casino industry is that beautiful Highly apart. All right, we're coming back with a lot more, and uh, we'll be with you uh, past 9 o'clock today. So we do a little overtime with Jessica Blaylock. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, the Panthers will be hosting the All-Star Game, and South Florida is hosting the NHL All-Star Game, and it's this weekend. Correct? Yes. It is well, this weekend, yes. And, and what do they do? I mean, I, I, I don't believe they actually play a game, though, anymore. Is that is that right, Luby? They do. I don't they know. They do. I thought they split it into two games because there's like 12 12- divisions now but i'm not exactly sure i don't know if we want to ask jessica that because it shows our ignorance uh, i'm gonna ask her what the hell is the format i have no idea i mean you wouldn't know what's happening with the pro Bowl, right tyler huntley is a pro bowl player he just got named at a pro Bowl. he had two touchdown passes this year. horrendous yeah he was not good they just no one wa- no, I mean, a thing. big reason the ravens went down at the end was they didn't have uh, lamar he he's a poor man's lamar jackson he's not even he not? a starter he's a bad he's a bad backup like they they, yeah. they made this thing so weak They because they thought, okay, if we do that, they'll all play. No, no one's going to, to – people still get hurt in these stupid-ass games. Like, I wouldn't risk my millions of dollars. I mean, for the trip to Vegas, do these players need – I mean, they're making $50 million dollars a year. They, they need to have the league pay for a trip to Vegas? Nope. I don't think so. Nope. Right? Nope. You would think if Trevor Lawrence called up like, you know, if I can get a free room at Caesars Palace – <laughs> if Trevor Lawrence called up or had one of his, uh, you know, uh, people call up and say, hey, Trevor wants to spend a weekend there, right? Can we get some special accommodations? They would say, uh, oh, yeah, 
Yeah, that's great, right? They probably have his contract printed out right there in the money room saying, um, well, uh, you know, is he bringing any portion of that uh, $20 million that he made this year? <laughs> we can set up private tables in his room, whatever he wants, and take his money that way. All right, uh, they don't do that at Hylia Park. They want you to win, so uh, make your plans to be out there. It's just a great place to go. All right, back in a moment with more uh, Tony Segreto, Jeremy Schapp uh, scheduled to join us, and Jessica Blaylock later on. Here on the Defoe Show, uh, Mike Mayo's Lunchbox from Shenanigans today. Uh, I, I'm trying to uh, kind of uh, warm out of uh, having to get You're on the road this, uh, this afternoon. Yeah. You're, it's sort of expected. We'll see you at Wicked because it's literally... Wicked cheese right around, around, around the corner. And uh, Gulfstream, of course, we'll is a you. mandatory payout for me. I mean, that's great. So, uh, and, and I love Shenanigans. It's just uh, it's a schlap, man. Is it not? I mean, you're, you're talking... For me, like 45 minutes each way. It's worth it if you're going to watch the uh, big game there, though. That's for sure. And the great food and drink. Uh, and Patrick Utter couldn't be a better guy. But he, he's going to be sitting in with Mayo anyway, right? He jumps on, and we yeah. may get Hyde on the Oh, and Dave Hyde. Yeah, you, you need me like a holiday. We don't. I might so just take the whole day off. All right. Uh, back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. It's 7.49. Hey, folks. Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, <laughs> no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes, really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining, while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. Recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us. Any time of year, things can happen to your home or business. And the insurance company can be your friend, but they also can be your enemy. Horizon Public Adjusters, Justina Testa are here for you to help this process go so much easier. Before you call the insurance company, call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. The winner to organize the 222 FIFA World Cup is Qatar. We now return to the Defo Show right here on... All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, Tony Segreto coming up with Old School, brought to you by Catholic Health Services and uh, also Texas Roadhouse Restaurants. And that's going to get underway about 8 o'clock. And about 8.45 is scheduled to be joined by Jeremy Schapp, who was, uh, did he produce this thing? Was he the narrator of the 72? I'm sure he's uh, a vo yeah, I think he's the voice, and I'm sure he's a producer. But he, he's gone into a lot of different roles. He writes. Yeah, he does a great job on that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Rinaldi was good at this uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, outside project uh, sort of thing, too. Tom Rinaldi, although uh, it seems like he's uh, had, uh, you know, even though he's featured Tom Rinaldi, I, I don't know, what, was that one of those deals where he, he was doing a million things uh, for ESPN, but uh, now he, he's kind of buried there at Fox? I mean, uh, 
they they throw him as one of two sideline reporters uh, during the course he does of the their game. Big time which, uh, NFL and college football stuff. I don't think he does anything else. But I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't really watch a lot of Fox. And they have the Super Bowl uh, this year, they do. So which will be, be interesting. Super Bowl call. You know, yeah. So that's something. You think Greg Olson uh, will uh, drop the amphetamines? And uh, <laughs> Tony loves him as an announcer. I, 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 I you know, I, I think he's a fine person, but uh, and, and could be very good. But uh, just yeah, you got to tone it down a little bit for the Super Bowl. If you're that I'll at that frenetic you. pace the entire time as a color analyst talking about the A gap and the B gap and all of this stuff and uh, high pointing the ball and uh, what were they talking about? Uh, run lane integrity. That, that's one of my favorite ones now. Run lane integrity. <laughs> you got a bunch of 300-pound guys just bouncing off each other as if they were in a tag team uh, brawl for it all at the end of a WWE extravaganza, right? It's bouncing all over the place. And then you're looking and you go, well, look at that run lane integrity they protected there. I'm like, well, wait a minute, man. This guy fell down. What, what, what are you talking about? Incredible. Overanalysis of uh, professional football. Um, as, as we mentioned, too, uh, the line uh, now, like uh, the last one I saw was one on the hook. Uh, officiating has been a big uh, thing. I wanted to touch on this because somebody actually did a study of it. And uh, everybody's seen the replay and, uh, of course, LeBron James' reaction as if he never got a call uh, in, in his career. Now, now, I have nothing but admiration for LeBron James. Not everybody likes everything that he does. But uh, as a basketball talent, as a professional athlete, as a guy who was, uh, you know, coming in with, with a giant reputation uh, that preceded him and expectations that uh, I, I don't know. I mean, pe- people still want to diminish what he's done because he doesn't have six rings and Michael does. I mean, uh, doesn't Robert Ory have like seven rings? Yeah, I mean, it's the amount so of does rings. that make him better than uh, than Michael Jordan? Of course not. Right. Chuck Nevitt has like four rings. I know. Chuck Nevitt, the string bean of a, you know, a scrub that was like the 15th man on the roster. And he was only there because he was eight feet tall, did nothing in his career. And I believe he has four rings. So the championship rings uh, argument, uh, you know, I I mean, if a guy is just absolutely instrumental in carrying his team to any number of rings, which uh, I don't know, who who could you say did more of that? LeBron? No, no, he certainly had uh, multiple talents uh, on the roster there with the Miami Heat when he won those two titles. Uh, the one in Cleveland, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that was pretty much him, was it not? Cleveland or Kyrie Irving, though. He had Kyrie Irving yeah, with him, uh, Irving. so that's fair. And Kyrie actually hit the big shot that uh, carried yes, him over the Irving top. Irving played well, and Love yeah. played his role. Uh, yeah. Okay, I, I'll like give you that. Jordan-level talent. I mean, he didn't have yeah. what Jordan had around him. I mean, Yeah, Jordan's championship teams. I mean, uh, they managed to find in, in succession three straight sharpshooters who could all be dynamite yes. from three. Yes. Right? You had Paxson, you had Hodges, and Steve Kerr in yes. succession. Yes. Three guys that were dynamite at what they did. Their, their one job was to chuck from three-point range. And they were always going to be wide open because there were six guys on Michael. Yeah. Well, and Pippen. Right? Pippen was and you had Pippen. And, and you had Horace Grant. I mean, you had a lot of players on those teams that, that, that were very, very uh, instrumental. And, in, uh, you know, I mean, that, that was a solid team. Obviously, you know, I mean, made great by the fact that Michael Jordan was playing at, at a sensational level. But but when you look at it uh, overall, I mean, you know, LeBron James' career is he's about to pass uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the yeah. all-time leading scorer. Isn't that crazy? He, he just passed Magic Johnson and Steve Nash uh, to become, I, I believe, uh, fourth in, in uh, assists, either third or fourth in, in career assists. Now, he's had a 20-year career, but but it doesn't appear like it's coming anywhere near its end. As I, you know, said before, I mean, this is a guy that might play with Bronny's children as well. 
Is it possible? We just had, like, Bobby Hall check out, right? And he nearly played with his grandchildren. Uh, is it possible that... Uh, oh, no, that was Gordy Howe. No, no, Howe, uh, Howe, Howe. Yeah, that was Howe. Uh, did Hall ever play with, like, Brett Hall? No, no. Or any of his kids? No? So, you know, he, he, he had some uh, pretty uh, impressive, uh, you know, offspring as well. Uh, you know, as a breeding animal there, uh, Bobby Hall is a hockey guy. Was right up there with, I mean, I had a secretary who wasn't able to uh, duplicate himself ever. Unbelievable. Became like kind of a brick of a stud, right? You see many horses by Secretariat? No. Stormcat, my friend. Stormcat. That's the one. Tap it now is uh, the sire that you got to look for uh, if you're going to try and win the Triple Crown races. Uh, all right. We're uh, coming back with Tony Stretto. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, so uh, just to finish the point, LeBron, uh, you know, crying about these calls, and, and that was outrageous. I mean, you know, th- th- there's a guy, th- this is what disturbs you about officiating. When, when a guy is literally looking at a play from, from like, uh, two feet away, he has a clear, there's a referee standing right there, clear view that Tatum hacks uh, LeBron James. Uh, the only way that the, uh, you know, the, the uh, shot, you know, was not going to be uh, e- easily made by James is if he got hacked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the shot, uh, there was no part of the ball was blocked. Was I mean, shot. it was just clear it impeded him from making that basket. It was a game-winning basket. And I guess it had happened, uh, you know, uh, like the previous ball game also, similar type of thing. But they did a study, and, and they said that uh, in the last two minutes of games, in questionable calls, calls that were either made incorrectly or not made, period, um, the Lakers had uh, 34 of those situations. And uh, 21 uh, of the 34 times, they got the benefit of a bad call. So uh, all, all of that screaming, uh, you know, and, and how demonstrative was LeBron James that uh, he, he was absolutely, you know, uh, apoplectic that the referee missed that. But, that, I mean, there's no excuse for that. I, I mean, how do you fix that? This guy had to be completely asleep, Right. Completely asleep. Oh, no, to, uh, yeah. To well, and the ref's call. right there. That's my problem is the ref stands right at the baseline. Yeah. And I get uh, it. He... You don't want to call fouls. You don't want to get in the middle of the game. Okay, but again, you know, we've talked about this. Like, if it's if it's a foul that you'd call it, you have to – because then now you're changing the integrity of the game. Like, then yeah. guys can just tackle, which is what you see on Hail Marys because they know they won't call it, so they just tackle guy. Yeah. If you can't have that, then, then now the offense has no shot. Like, it's got to be fair – to some extent, no matter what time of the game. Well, and also if you uh, awarded a couple of free throws for a ticky-tack foul early in the game, uh, and those points loom just as large yes. as these two points at the end of the game. Yes, they do. So, uh, you know, from an officiating standpoint, uh, you need to be even-handed from uh, the game start to the end. And, and I understand you're, you you might allow a little bit more. I mean, uh, look, uh, on a concluding play, do you really want to call some ticky-tack garbage? No, no, no. But then maybe you shouldn't have been calling that earlier in the game. That, that's, you know, part <laughs> of it also. That. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, and, and that's that's what players have always said. Hey, hey just be consistent, right? Yes. But, uh, you know, they have a tendency also, I mean, uh, and we've learned this uh, to be true, that, uh, that there are actually meetings held as to uh, what certain officials are going to enforce. Yes. And, and emphasize. Yes. So, and, and, you know, they showed a bunch of bogus calls in that uh, Cincinnati-Kansas uh, City game. Wow. That were extremely uh, important. I mean, uh, a lot of people were complaining that they maybe they should have swallowed the whistle on the personal foul on Mahomes at the end of the game. Uh, I, I don't really agree with that because uh, it, it was it was a little too blatant, right? As uh, you know, the, I mean, he literally was. I mean, well out of bounds by the time this guy gave the shove. So you have to call it. I mean, it's just a dumb play by a defensive player at that point. Uh, you know, very unaware. 
of his circumstances. Maybe he didn't know he was out of bounds. How could he not? The bench was there. He was about to tackle a cheerleader. <laughs> Aren't you pulling up at that point? You have to, right? But um, they showed a lot of examples. And, you know, we forgot all about that opening play where the officials bungled the call in the game with the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles, which led to the Eagles' first touchdown, where it was clearly a drop. And, uh, you know, they ruled it a catch, and, and then they, they ran up there real quickly and, and snapped the ball. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Shanahan fell asleep and, uh, didn't, and didn't challenge that play. Because, um, you know, I don't know. Well, what was he thinking, right? Don't they have guys in the booth? I, I guess they didn't see that angle it, 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 until later. It was bang, bang, and, and I get that, but <laughs> Devontae Smith got up and ran doing some weird-ass hand gesture that I'm sure football players all understand. And yeah. football players aren't that smart to try and be baiting the other team into a useless challenge. The minute he got up with that, I'm like, oh, you better challenge that. Like When they were hailing it as a great catch, I'm like, he's getting up weirdly fast, and he's not celebrating yeah. at all, and he's not taking his time. He, he knows he didn't catch that ball. And yeah. Shanahan's look. Shanahan sucks in those big games. He did it all game. He he was we like the, before half. Like, why are you throwing it in the shotgun when you're at, you're in this game somehow? By the grace of God, you have Josh Johnson who hasn't played at all this entire season. No one who's in the league still. You're hanging around in this game. Your defense is playing out of its mind. Like, why? Like, why would you yeah. give them any? Like, Shanahan's uh, when that ball games. hit uh, Johnson in the face, uh, you know. Pretty much said it all. All right, uh, Tony's ready to go. Uh, Tony sure. Segreto, and, and we'll do a little old school, and it's going to be a special edition of old school. Yes. As uh, we will uh, feature, uh, when we hope to connect with Jeremy Schapp later on. Can we pop Tony up uh, so people can see, uh, you know, how handsome he looks today? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there he is. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Where are you, kid? You look like you're home. I am. I am back Sunny in South, South Florida, Florida. In, in in the heat. It is so <laughs> hot. Goodness oh wow! Me. It's been nice here. <laughs> it's beautiful. Oh what are you talking? About? Oh, for you, yeah. yeah it's hot. You fry an egg uh, well, in, in light of where we where I could be right <laughs> yeah. now, where it's like negative fifteen. So uh, pick pick your poison. <laughs> I, I tell you what, Louie and I can relate to this because uh, we were in Dallas and, and they had like a minor snowstorm. Yeah. But it, it left like uh, you know icy conditions on the road. We were out there for a Super Bowl many years ago. Oh yeah, I mean, and, yeah, uh, and, and you could not drive a car. I mean, yeah, it, it, they, they don't have any traction whatsoever, and uh, an extremely poor system of clearing roads. And and that whole uh, state, Texas, was iced over with like a slick glaze that uh, you would have to be like a Vermonter yeah. to uh, be able to handle it. it you know, uh, I've been to Dallas for Super Bowls, and I've been there for the Cotton Bowl, and that time of year is boy, it is just it's it's a it's a crapshoot. You just don't know what you're going to get. And and these ice storms right now are horrible. And there's no way there's not a tire made to be able to handle the ice like that. No, they're, no. They're, they're just, you hit your brakes like, and yeah. So and 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 I don't care how experienced you are. That first instinct is to is to brake and to turn your wheels. And people yeah. keep telling you not to brake. And you know that makes literally no sense. Even though that's the right thing to do. So yeah. it's just. Uh, I, Hopefully, you know, not many people are, are, are injured or or maimed. But gosh, it's 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 a tough it's a tough road. That's why snow is a, is a lot better than, uh, than having to deal here. with that. Oh no, no, those know, roads sure. looked uh, absolutely sure. brutal, and yeah. uh, you know, having experienced it uh, at different times, so uh, you know, definitely uh, not a favorable condition. That's for sure. Being in a car that's 
completely out of control. Oh, there, yeah. there's nothing scarier. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing, nothing scarier. Yeah, but, I mean, even yeah, a brief I will incident. tell you this. Yeah. I was, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this to Luby or not. My drive back, I have been doing this drive. To I don't know how you do it, Tony. I, I, I was thinking about you. Oh my gosh, I, I yeah. so enjoy it. I so enjoy. You're amazing. I enjoy, yeah. I enjoy <laughs> the. I enjoy the stops. I enjoy you know meeting people and. I just enjoy the whole like experience, you know. Yeah. But the uh, this time on my way back, I I, I left uh, really early the the second morning from Gettysburg because there was snow moving in, and I wanted to beat the snow because they were already like they said five to six inches, and it was moving yeah. west to east. So I took a different route. I, I really try to do my best to avoid DC, and and just because it's it's always the, getting through the district. Oh, that, that's always, a very difficult place to do. Yeah, yeah, going through the district is always difficult. But this time I had to like go. Okay, I had to bite, pick my poison. Either go west where the snow would come first, or stay east and try and beat everything. So I beat the snow, but I get to Northern Virginia, and from Northern Virginia all the way into my next stop, which was Savannah, Georgia. Wow. It was nothing but torrential rain. Oh, that's oh, rain. Worst. Okay. It that was, sucks. I had never seen anything like this. And I remember. Hey, I was, even being uh, here from Florida where oh, yeah, to, yeah, your windshield would be I'm opaque. Saying, what yeah. I'm saying is we're talking four states. It just never stopped wow. in four wow. states. And uh, I, I had stopped at a, at a, like a Love's or, you know, where the truck, truck, uh, truck stops are. Yeah. And they're always clean and there's always food there. And, and I, I'm, I'm walking around and i'm hearing truck drivers go have you ever seen anything like oh, this i mean for, tru for truck drivers to say that yeah. i'm going gee me jim it is like crazy but thank you, god you I'm get the right truck stop safe. breakfast though uh you know it, it's it's heaven on earth <laughs> hey let me tell you something man i i stopped for so i was telling my kids i said you know i said i stopped the first day i stopped for breakfast at a first watch because it was right there at, at an exit All right. this is excellent so my high recommendation go. of Mike Mayo, by the way, the gambler. My wife loves, loves first, yeah, first watch. watch. Yeah, the first watch was awesome. So, but my kids go, Dad, come on, come on, man. You got it tomorrow, tomorrow, which was the next day. They go, you have to go to Waffle House, man. You got to go Waffle, to Waffle yeah, House. Waffle. All right. So I went to Waffle House in South Carolina. Nice. And I have to tell you, man, it was about as good as it gets. First oh, of yeah. All, the, you, you liked it. Okay. The, the, yeah. people, the people could have not been more charming. Oh, nice. Um, and and I pulled I pulled a real like Costanza. I'm at the <clears throat> I'm getting my I'm giving my order, and I go. So how are the pancakes here? Oh Jesus! Oh and yeah. She looks at me. She says, "Well, our waffles are really good." I went, oh, <laughs> are you kidding me? Right? Now? <laughs> wow. The, the hash browns at uh, Waffle House. I, I think oh man, there's nothing. I can better. eat those. Yeah. yeah. Nothing. I haven't been to a Waffle House in a while, but I, I have no problem with Waffle House. I, I, I did like uh, when, when I lived in Fontana, California, and I was uh, writing for the Fontana Herald News. Uh, that there was like a kind of a truck stop, uh, and, and you know, a, a lot of truckers used to come to this one breakfast place, and 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 literally the guy was slaughtering the hog in the back. Yeah, that was on your plate like uh, as a big ham steak. Yeah. I mean, it was the best breakfast I ever had anywhere. It was just in, uh, in Vermont. They have a they have a place called the Country Girl Diner, and it's a diner that was renovated that was built in 1947 from Jer from New Jersey. Yeah, as, as you well know, for those of you from the Northeast, Jersey diners. Yeah, big. Jersey diners. There's nothing quite like it. And, no. Uh, um, I mean, you, you can get anything there, man. I mean, you could get oh, uh, pheasant oh under God. glass, <laughs> yeah. or, or yeah. like uh, you yeah. know, a pork yeah, rolling exactly. cheese. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean. Exactly. So anyway, you go there, and it's just, it's it's the same thing. 
Jeff. It's the same yeah. thing. They're, they're slaughtering the hog in the back and making the bacon fresh. So um, it's good. But you stop at these truck stops, man, and, and you're hearing, okay, shower number three ready. Shower number three. <laughs> <laughs> shower number two is all set for the driver. Come on in. Yeah. Uh, how did they accept the guy that was just driving a regular car? I mean, did they notice that? Or, um, oh, yeah, there were okay. other people yeah. that stopped there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that could guys, be like a little clicky, you would think. Uh, you know. Yeah, all I know is, man, I have nothing but respect for what these guys do, man. They're they're driving these big rigs and through snow can't and be rain, easy, yeah. and uh, it can't be easy. How about the Michigan people on the road? I mean, just that alone would be enough to scare the hell out of me. Although they all have now those rims that are around of the Ben-Hur movie. Yeah. With the, you know, I mean, you're thinking, wow, if that guy makes a lane change, he's going to slash all four of my tires. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, what is that? With the, you know, they, they I don't know, the, but, you know, one of the, the best. daggers sticking out of them. I know this is going to sound really campy, and, and, and I, don't, I don't know. You take it any way you want, but. One of my real pleasures when I drive is in the afternoon, I stop and get a cup of coffee and it's usually a Dunkin' Donuts and uh, because there's so many off the exit and I, I walk in and I can tell you almost everyone around that time in the afternoon, there's at least two or three elderly couples sitting down together, uh, having a cup of coffee and sharing a donut and, and they're having conversation and it just harkens back to my parents and thinking to myself, gosh, these, these people have probably been married 50 something years and yeah. they're, they're going out for their afternoon donut and coffee and real just, slice of Americana. Yeah, it really is. It really nice. Is. Yeah. All right. We're uh, coming back with more Tony Segreto and, and uh, Tony, this is great. I mean, uh, you got Jeremy Schaap to come on the yeah. show now. Now, did yeah. he produce this thing? What, what is his role? No, Jeremy the, did not produce it. Jeremy uh, did the voiceover for it. Did a lot okay. of the interview. They did uh, most of the interviews for it. Um, and uh, he's a good interviewer, been, Jeremy Schaap. He really yeah, is. Yeah, Jeremy does a nice job. And, yeah. uh, you know, Jane and I are both part of, uh, Jane Chastain and I are both part of the special. And Oh, beautiful. Uh, so you're yeah, on we, this. We've seen some, yeah, we've seen some excerpts of it. And they've done a, a magnificent job. Dan Lindbergh is the producer. And uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to see this. I, I, for those of you, Luby, did you ever get to watch the NFL film? Thing? I've seen parts of it. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what ESPN does with the whole story. Yeah, NFL Films did a nice job, but I, I think when you see the beginning uh, and the start of the the ESPN version, uh, it's it's it moves you. It really does. I, I told the producer yesterday because we have been in touch almost on a daily basis. Fact, you know, doing fact checks and things like that. And we, uh, I said, I don't get moved very much after all these years watching things. But boy, oh boy, yeah. that, that opening was pretty cool. So we'll Cooch, see. Man. Yeah, I'll be yeah. tearing up when I see Cooch. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, we're coming back with more with uh, Tony Segreto, brought to you by Texas Roadhouse Restaurants and uh, Catholic Health Services. And uh, we uh, have Ed Garcia going to join us here. Uh, I guess he's OK now because, uh, you know, the, the rumors started to drift again about his man, Jimmy Harbaugh. But uh, the Broncos went ahead and, and uh, actually orchestrated a, a trade or, uh, you know, negotiated their way into being able to sign Sean Payton. Yeah. And uh, pretty pricey. Didn't Shula, didn't it cost... Uh, uh, number it one cost, draft uh, the Dolphins a number one draft pick for yeah, Shula. Yeah, sure did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so now you sure have did. a 15 year veteran coach in Sean Payton, and he goes for a one and a two. Although I think they had to also ship him a three, and then uh, no doubt a whole lot of, I mean, uh, attention Walmart shoppers. Prices are going to be going up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? And Sean Payton trying to straighten out Russell Wilson. He's got he, Yeah, he's got his job. Oh, he, if, if he can straighten out Russell Wilson, he's worth it. Oh yeah. The, the problem that you have with Russell Wilson, and you don't have this with Tua, is that Russell Wilson, I mean, gave signs that, that he, he was past it. He looked done. 
And, and it's not like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what I'm do you not sure get Russell Wilson done, to do? Yeah. It's, this is, this is going to sound kind of weird to say, but I'm not sure if he looked done or looked like he was detached. Either one. I mean, I am. But being done talent. and being detached yeah. are two different things. No, they are. You know, being they being are. done is you're, you're, you know, so we'll see. Let, let, yeah. let, let's see if Peyton can, can resurrect him. It's funny, though, because, I mean, he was with Nathaniel Hackett, who now the Jets have hired, and now everybody think that's, thinks that that Precursor. may be a pathway and a prelude to uh, Aaron Rodgers finishing Aaron Rodgers his career as yeah, a Jet, sure. yeah. following again in the footsteps of Brett Favre, right? Yep. As, uh, you know, and, and, and let's face it, the Jets are where quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> Whether they're drafted, they veterans, are. it doesn't matter, right? That's I mean, uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with Don't that. Don't tell Joe Willie that. That's where he's Well, started. Joe Willie, I mean, that was my man. And, and Luby still uh, is sitting on the fence of whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. Sitting fence. on the fence. I think he deserves what? to be Tony. for what he meant to what? the league. I mean, you were at Super Bowl three, no doubt, as a young yes, Tony I can think of I can think of others who are maybe yeah, a little sketchy I've, getting I've into the you. Hall, but not yeah. Joe. But not Joe. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kurt Warner was a great quarterback. I, I'm not disputing that he was in a, a Hall of Famer, but I mean. Joe Namath's contribution to professional football was far more uh, significant than and that's than what Kurt Warner, at, even with even with yeah. that great run that he had with the Rams. Yeah, the contribution that Namath made, my gosh, Namath. I think Namath was the you know when you think about it, Namath was the one that helped you know bring everybody together. Yeah. Was it. it was yeah. it. He was the he was he was the merger, and that Basically, in itself, yes. you know, yeah. it's like Lamar Hunt being in the in the Hall of Fame. He is the Super Bowl. Lamar yes. Hunt is yeah. the Super Bowl. And how cool, you know, I, I got a chance to meet his son and sit with his son at a football game a couple of years ago in, yeah. at, uh, at, in Texas. And his son is just such a humble, humble man and such a nice guy. And it was when, it was when, um, you know, all the things were happening and, you know, guys were having great seasons and he knew he's going to have to up the contracts and uh, he knew that Mahomes was that he was going to have to pay Mahomes. And he while he goes, most owners would lament. I'm sitting there embracing it because I've got myself a fine young man and a fine young football player. You know, just just and, and he has young... 50 million a year. So, yeah, he has. It's not like it's going to kill his bankroll. Any of that, right, that's for right. sure. All right. All right. We're coming back with more with Tony Segreto and uh, Jeremy Schaap scheduled to join us here uh, talking about the. Uh, a documentary piece, which uh, is what going to air Super Bowl Sunday. You said uh, uh, yeah, no, it's on. It's this. It's this Sunday, right this before Sunday. ABC will air it right okay, before good. the right before the Pro Bowl on Sunday afternoon. That'll be it's more called, compelling viewing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's called the Perfect Train, and then uh, ESPN two, and we'll rebroadcast it, and there'll be all areas around and on the app where you can where you can find it. Going to see, see uh, you know Tony Segreto uh, being interviewed on this thing. That's yeah. Great. All right, uh, yeah, you're brilliant at that stuff. All right, back with more with Tony in a moment. Now that. It's 8-14. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style. And you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. 
Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10 and Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. What we gonna do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. We are now kicking it old school with the one and only Tony Segreto. Brought to you by Catholic Health Services and Texas Roadhouse. Tell me that. All right, welcome back to the show, uh, the Depot Show here. Uh, Jeff DeForest, we've got Mike Luby Lubitz, and a great one. We're old school with Tony Segreto. Tony brought to you every week by, I mean, you talk about a terrific organization. I mean, mm. uh, if these mm, guys, mm, uh, mm. you know, had their management team in charge of any of our pro teams, we'd win championships every year. Amen to uh, that. Texas Roadhouse Restaurants, and we welcome to the show. Uh, I mean, this guy is great, and I'm sure he's a happy man, Tony. Because uh, not only do we have uh, the big game coming up, which uh, th- this would be your big game headquarters for a lot of reasons, yes, whether sir. you're uh, dining in, watching a game, whether you're throwing a party. I mean, I think about this. A lot of barbecue is going to be offered up at various uh, big game parties. And uh, where, where better, I mean, to get it than Texas Roadhouse? Uh, you know, whether you're cooking it yourself and you get it from the butcher shop or, you know, just order uh, the, that uh, meat falls off the bone, uh, you know, a rib, uh, uh, you know, I mean, unbelievable uh, succulent ribs that they make. And all of the sides and all of the other stuff, you, you, you can just order it and, and, and have your party catered by Texas Roadhouse. We welcome Ed Garcia to the show. And uh, Ed, it looks like he actually is sticking around, huh? They always throw good another morning, dagger at your man Jim Harbaugh and say, well, there he's, he was t- seen in Walmart. And he bought some stuff. And <laughs> looks like he's going to the Broncos. Yeah. No, he uh, – yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm feeling pretty good about it. You know, I'm really happy with amount of seniors that are returning i think yeah we're gonna have a great college football season coming up this year so it's gonna be very exciting i mean you could just i mean this past season was incredible for a lot of different colleges and uh just a, a fantastic year so look forward to what's coming up hey and i got i gotta tell you a funny story and I, I couldn't wait to talk to you today uh i'm i'm at a uh i'm at a rest stop uh on my way back to south florida and uh, and I'm walking into the restroom. They had picnic tables outside, and there's this family. They're all sitting down having their lunch, and what they're eating are their leftovers from Texas Roadhouse. All I saw wow. were Texas Roadhouse bags, and I started laughing. Go, gosh, 
I felt I felt a little peculiar going up and asking him if I could take a picture of all this because I just I just didn't think that would be the appropriate thing to do at the time. But I took a mental picture and I had to share it with you because, you know, I think people forget that, you know, there's usually so much food at Texas Roadhouse taking it home and having it the next day, especially if you do it on the weekend. Right. So if you have a big old steak and you have some leftover steak. And the next day you make some steak and eggs and you got some rolls left over and you are all set. You don't need anything else. And I just thought it was it was quite something for me to see that. My my fridge is always full of <laughs> Texas Roadhouse leftovers. I tell you, I mean, it's blessed. There's so much value behind each dinner, you know, even during the week or the weekend. I mean, because you can get two sides with every entree. I mean, our sweet potatoes weigh up to a pound. I mean, that's oh. a meal all on its own. Uh, so then you get our salad, which our salads, our side salads, which come included with the meal, are are huge as well. I mean, you get, you know, the croutons, which, by the way, take us two days to make. They're homemade croutons, tomatoes, eggs, cheese, all that great stuff that goes on there. So, I mean, you get plenty of food. It's tough to take home. And what happens is, is that while you're sitting there watching the game or talking to the family, you're filling up on peanuts and bread. And that fresh baked bread, you know, fresh yeah. every five minutes you can't go wrong. Yeah. So listen, did I hear this correctly? The the sweet potatoes up to a pound. That is correct. So yeah, up to a pound. I mean, that's we get them between twelve and sixteen ounces. So we fill them with. Oh. I mean, obviously, the way I like to do it is honey cinnamon butter and maybe a little bit of cinnamon. But then you can do it the Luby style, which is the, the loaded. We do the marshmallows with a little bit of honey cinnamon caramel wow. sauce. And then we throw more marshmallows on top and toast it. I mean, out of this world. It's like a dessert, like but dessert. you're cheating because you're eating it with your dinner. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Well, I, I don't know where you get the sweet potatoes from, but any sweet potato that's 12 to 16 ounces, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, yeah. they, may have, they may need to get tested. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jose Canseco Farm, yeah. Yeah, but I will no, tell you this. I think, I, I think Defoe brought it up the best way. For those of you looking for, as we have a week before the Super Bowl now, but we still have things going on this weekend, uh, I seriously suggest you think about, if nothing else, you getting the sides and, and, and things from Texas Roadhouse hey, to, Katie, to set up your party, party. because yeah. there, is, there is nothing better than, than the things that you, could, that you can get from the sweet potatoes to the, ma- the mashed potatoes. We talk about the sweet potatoes all the time. But one last thing be- before we go, you have to tell people, how special the mashed potatoes are at Texas Roadhouse. And they're going, well, that's a mashed potato. Yeah, let me tell you something. 99% of where you go to have dinner and you order mashed potatoes, they were made either that that morning and then reheated, not at Texas Roadhouse, right, Ed? That's right. We're making it fresh. And I'll tell you, it's a science. Next time you're in, it's pretty cool to watch. I mean, we temp everything from the half and half. Everything we put in there is tempted perfect. So it's a great science to make an awesome mashed potatoes with fresh potatoes so can't go wrong they are i mean they taste just like grandma used to make i i absolutely love them well excellent stuff uh, as always and listen since we have you here we want you the to be the first to know luby is that correct what you just wrote yeah, it's breaking Tom, news. Tom, Tom Brady, Brady retired. He's a, he's a, I guess a Michigan. He made it official. Officially retired. And, yeah. and officially, of, officially unofficial. Now. He said for good now. He specifically. He can't said come for back after now. this retirement. He'd be well, like Roberto Duran. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, Ed, you got it. Can he make? You got it first. You can tell your Texas Roadhouse crew Brady's done. 
Yep, Brady's done. We'll get, we'll give him a few weeks to see how many offers he can get. But uh, you know, it was you know a great season. It was good to see him come back and and come back again. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I I saw him many many years ago. I think this was 1997 in Angel Hall, uh, and what he's become from Angel Hall at University of Michigan to where he's at today is is quite impressive. So amazing, uh, yeah. pretty cool stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, would you guys uh, please uh, have your executives uh, with Texas Roadhouse get together with the feds and, and figure out a way to fight inflation? Because uh, yeah, exactly. how you keep the prices where you do with all of this stuff uh, like you're talking about? Where I you're have been a meal for two. and you guys talk about it all the time. And yeah, and keep I the prices like, low. A, last weekend we had yeah. we did the app. First of all, the app is my favorite thing in the world because we're really busy during the weeks. So literally, you get there and the food's ready, and then you go home. And we live five minutes from Roadhouse. The price That's hadn't awesome. changed at all. It had been like a year. Yeah. And I'm like, I know Ed says, I'm like, and I believe Ed, but I'm like, how have they not changed at all? I'm like, I don't understand. Yep. And eggs are like $25 for, for a dozen. I'm like, what is going on? No. Like, this is amazing. It, it's almost cheaper now, and it may be cheaper to eat at Texas Roadhouse than it is to go to the grocery store. It is. And you know, we get that quite a bit, and yeah. you get leftovers, and someone's cooking it for you, preparing it for you, a whole nine yards. I mean, uh, we're we're very very blessed and you know with having an awesome team that handles all that we take our contracts very seriously and having so many people come in gives us that a little bit of that that buying power but the difference is you know we were comparing yesterday as a matter of fact we were talking about menu pricing with some of our other local steakhouses and how we are so much under them and you know and we were talking it's like we cut the steak in house we don't. We don't get it cut, you know, yeah. somewhere else where they freeze it, ship it to the store, all that stuff. When we get that big, you know, you saw it, big hunk of meat, and yeah. we clean it up, cut it there, and, and I think that's just that's all the world, and you can taste the difference. So, all good stuff. Yeah, stuff. no, amazing. Like Please uh, run for president, Edgar. <laughs> <laughs> You have solid credentials, which a lot of people in Congress don't. And, uh, you know, you, you definitely have we'll the right We'll be your campaign manager. When it comes to the economy, that's for sure. Stakes for everybody. We'll be your, we'll be your campaign managers. Thanks a lot. All right. We love you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Texas yeah. Roadhouse. Hey, listen, guys, real, real quick before I get into Brady, I just want a special shout out yeah. uh, to my friend Steve Caudron, who now supplied me with my brand new Shure microphone. Oh, and, nice. You uh, sound good, too. And, uh, yeah, man. It is it is awesome. And without Steve, I, I would not sound nearly as good. He made a he made an old man sound like a young man. So, Oh, you, you, <laughs> you look like you just broke uh, into the business, Tony. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luby hey, and listen, I are aging rapidly. Here yeah, listen, I wonder, I wonder, I find this very curious. And this is just a, a, a out of the top of my head thought. Yeah. I find that the, how much did Fox sweeten the pot for Brady to retire? Since they the have Dolphins. the Super, since they have the Super Bowl, oh, you th- oh, they'll actually do commentary on this. Super yeah, Bowl. and he they I put him on the set with Gronk retired. and Jimmy yeah, and Strahan and T- Terry. Are you kidding me? What a home run that is for them! I wonder. I, I'm, I'm concerned just, I'm just about uh, Brady's uh, broadcasting career in this sense. I mean, he's always going to make a great appearance. Oh yeah, but he is obviously he gonna speaks say very well. Is he going to say anything of any substance? All I now, know is, that if he does, he he would be the best of them all. If he would really, you know, give the truth about you know his career. To me, right now, playing with guys. To me right now, the two best out there are Greg Olson and Tony Romo. See, I, 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 I think Olson's trying too hard. I really oh, do. I don't. I think I, Olson, I love the kid. He's a great I guy. Think he's, I think he's. I think he does. I think a little kid, too yappy, Tony. A little well, too yappy. 
that's your that that's your prerogative. I think he fills the the gaps with with great insight. I really do. Uh, capable of doing it. I, I just think he, he's overdoing it. I, I really believe that. Uh, I don't think you Olsen know, I mean, sucks. I just think he... T- he, he doesn't suck. I mean, much. he has a lot of potential, but somebody needs to just... You need Rain to talk to him, Tony. Tell him, hey, let the game breathe a little bit. And that's the thing with Romo. Romo now is... Yeah. They, they literally just mock him. He doesn't finish sentences. He just starts talking. Right. It's like he's forgotten he's on the air. And he yeah, Romo's just rambling. I mean, like he's uh, taking some fentanyl before the game. And, uh, you know, while he makes some good points... And, and Olsen... It's yeah, not like he doesn't like, know what he's talking like about. Any, do you like anybody? Uh, yeah, I mean, I enjoy people uh, that do Ooh. color analysis. No, but but I, I like guys that, that actually provide some uh, color. Give me your name. No one. In, in football right now? I mean, yeah. there's uh, you know not many that really stand out to me. Like I mean, I, I don't know that anybody's doing what, what some of the greats did, like the great Aldi Raganis or, uh, you know, I mean, even Cosell as a color analyst was extremely interesting, uh, you know, in the booth. Uh, Meredith, uh, you know, they made a great team. I, I'm more inclined to like a guy that uh, like Mad than uh, to sit there. I mean, uh, Tony, uh, there's only so much explaining of plays that you can do. Okay, I mean, a, a guy runs for three yards. I don't know that it calls for six different technical advances to uh, explain it. And by the time you get to the next play, you're exhausted from hearing the explanation. <laughs> you really are. No, and, and you watch football your whole life. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. And then the next play happens, and it's similar. It's the like, hey, the guy play. runs to the left for four yards, and they go I, through the same thing, and they're like, oh, I'll look, the two, uh, you know, covered two, okay. and the safeties come up, and this, and then there's the offensive coordinator. And you're like, my God, the guy just ran for like three <laughs> yards. He fell forward and ran for three yards. It's not that uh, technical. I give you that. All right. Okay. I, I defer. That's yeah, I mean, you know, I, okay. I want a guy that comes on and says, hey, this running game must have been designed in the Stone Age. I, I, I don't know whose playbook they found to, uh, you know, uh, gain three yards of carry. I'll, I'll, but, ask, I'll ask Jimmy. We'll ask yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, I mean, Brady, I, I hope, I mean, if Brady was candid, think about it. The, think about thought, the stories I, that this guy could tell oh after 20 years, years in the league. I agree. I just, stories. you know, I'm curious to see is like you are. I'm curious to see. It's either going to be really good or really bad. I don't know that it'll be bad because it won't be any different than Troy Aikman or any of these other guys that say nothing. But that's what I'm that, saying. That literally, I, are, I mean, look, they had six guys, you, Tony, you, on the pregame show. And give me one piece of insight that you got out of last week's pregame show. All I know show. is you can, bet, you can bet your life that Brady will be on the set for so Fox the, the or at least be on for pregame. You can, yeah. you can bet your yeah. life. The timing is weird. Why? Like, why right now with a week? Like, right? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, it's not inappropriate. I don't think. No, I don't, I, think, no, it's I don't think it's inappropriate. I, but I just wonder sense. if Fox had any influence sense. on it. Like, like if, hey, maybe, you know. maybe. I don't know. Like, if you're uh, retiring, I, do it now. If if you're retiring, fine. Do it now. Do it now. Yeah. That gives us time. I don't think they tell Tom Brady what to do. I, I really don't. Well, they Even could. with the $350 million, I, I don't think there's a guy calling Tom Brady before he even starts his tenure there and well, saying, no, hey, listen, Tommy Mubi's boy. A, I think Mubi's got a point. They can say, listen, if if if, if you retire now, we, we'll start you right now. We'll, 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 the the yeah, clock starts ticking. Him? Why would he yeah, we start, I don't see we'll that. start paying you now. We start paying you now. Why wouldn't so. he want to do that? Yeah. Why would he want yeah, They may exactly. be paying him already. Who the hell knows? I mean, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, he, he's not lacking for the cash. It's not like he needs his job to overlap. No, no, so No, but it's but, like, yeah. you know, when you get to that level, if you can make 350, $350 mil just why doing not? that. Yeah, I mean, if you can make $350 million doing, I Anything. mean, literally doing nothing, Anything. which is, uh, unfortunately, that that's more of what I'm anticipating from him. Then, uh, yeah, I, and yeah, I, would, yeah. I would love I it if this guy to. was candid and, and became like a very eloquent, but uh, a guy that, that gave you stories. You. Wow. I mean. Yeah. 
Well, let's I think see. it's going to be know, cliche we, city. Yeah. If he's on the set, we may see a we may see a like a little prelude of what we what we can expect. Let's yeah. see how insightful he can be about you know at, at least Kansas City. You know, at the very he, least. he should be able to. Uh, I mean, uh, go ahead and deduce virtually every strength and weakness that uh, that is taken, and that, that's kind of what's missing from a lot of these guys, right? Where you know they, they don't go into that because they don't want to criticize anybody. Yeah, but 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 the nature of the job is you, you have to you know you have to be able to do it. Uh, Billy Packer had just checked out. I mean, yeah, uh, right. he wasn't my favorite color analyst yeah, of all I time. Him. I was more of a Vital fan in the early him. days of Vital because of his enthusiasm uh, and, and the way that he talked I about loved, every player. I love Billy. I love Billy right. Packer. But Packer, I, I mean, Billy he wasn't Packer. afraid to say, "Hey, look, well, what the hell are these guys doing in the yeah. Final Four? Yeah. You know, and so so you, you kind of like that about a guy, you know, and and he had the credentials also. You know, as you know, nobody could point to him and say, well, you never played because he was like an All-American at Wake Forest. So uh, he had the credentials. But uh, it would be great if Brady would actually do something. I mean, uh, you know, th- that would be incredible. I-, I-, I don't know that I buy that Fox, like, called him and said, hey, why don't you retire today? No, no. Uh, no, no, no. We're Brady. not suggesting that either. I don't think yeah. we're not. I'm not suggesting that. I'm, I'm not just saying. That. It's Brady. I'm they're, saying they're probably happy they, about it. They, yeah. they must have. They must have. They, they had to be talking. They have to I be talking. Like, okay, we sure. can start this. We can start this right now. If you, you know, if you like, if you decide you want to do it now, fine. You know, let us know what you think, and we'll. Yeah, I, but I think that they were involved in. They knew what was going on. Yeah, I think. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, who knows? Uh, you know, obviously they anticipate him retiring at some time. Uh, I, you know, it, it, it's kind of uh, interesting because Rogers just uh, sort of intimated that, you know, and and, and, and you know, it sounded like he, he wanted to go to the New York Jets. On this podcast, can I tell you something? I think if Rogers were to get into the booth, I think he would be. He may be interesting. I because he's so bizarre. Yeah, yeah. I I think he would be. He just doesn't care. Watching. He just doesn't care. Right. That's what you want. Someone that's not worried about the predilections. Like you want someone who. Yeah, this polished personality doesn't really, you know, kind of make it conducive to entertaining people. Which you're looking for a guy, you know, you ask me what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a guy who illuminates the game a little bit. Yeah. Either by telling me something I don't know about the players or a situation or somehow can insert me into what, what this guy might be thinking as he's melting down, you know, and, and can give you that kind of insight. I mean, that would be a good color analyst. Uh, in, in addition to being, being able to maybe dissect some plays, but I, 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 would, I would go for far less of that and far more, you know, actual color, if you will. Than uh, you know all of this technical stuff, which yeah, everybody right, everybody's right. doing now. It's it, it's yeah. horrendous, Tony. I mean, it really and the, is. The, and the money they're making, yeah, they're making so Lord, much God, money. God yeah. bless them. I mean, Collingsworth. Who would ever think Collingsworth would be making that kind of dough? I mean, at least I, of those guys, you know. And a lot of people don't like Collinsworth. I, I would take Collinsworth uh, over uh, Greg Olson, and uh, maybe I, I know Romo seems to still possess some kind of uh, you know curiosity. That, that he might say something interesting, oh, uh, but but it's hard to you know deduce it from uh, you know all of the stuff that he's saying, which uh, and and he sort of is a little monotone sort of as he does his thing, very low key, and uh, you know so it, it's tough to you know in the beginning he was much more uh, you know a- accurate in, in predicting plays and things like that, and that kind of made him uh, very interesting, but. We'll see. All right. Anyway, I, I wish I was making their money. That, that's for sure. <laughs> and I probably freeze up and just uh, spew out a bunch of cliches. Well, you know what? If they can't run the ball, they're going to have to pass it here, Joe. <laughs> you know, they love the quarterback sneak here on fourth and a quarter of an inch. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's great insight. 
Uh, coming back with more with Tony uh, in a moment. And Jeremy Schaap going to join us in, in just a few minutes here on the program. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Tom Brady retires. Uh, that's the big news. Says it's official. He's done. Sparked, I think, more by the shots of Giselle back in modeling again. And uh, with this uh, ninja guy, the karate teacher she's uh, hanging out with. Have you seen that, uh, Tony? I mean, it's yeah. all over page six. I wonder Giselle. how quickly they fix things. Like, I wonder if they, now that he's not doing that and he'll be minimally working... Are they yeah. magically fit? I mean, I'm curious. They're not making a comeback. Now, what do you what do you predict on that, Tony? Odds of uh, Giselle and uh, Brady getting they back like together. They really She's about to spill the beans, according to uh, my New York Post gossip page, and uh, going to have an article in Vanity oh, Fair where she talks about the end of their marriage. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, um, Yay! Just look at this, Tony. This is in your division. No, oh, Aaron Rodgers. Rogers, uh, right, he's coming right, right to uh, the Jets. Oh, uh, how about would that be that? Phew. Whatever. That would Showing be a party. Up, Andy, York, Andy called man. it with Nathaniel Hackett. That was prelude to a dream, my friends. That would be a party, man. Prelude to a dream. Be, All right, uh, back with more with Tony. Jeremy Schaap going to join us here, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. And we'll return in a moment. Now that it's eight thirty-six. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question: What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes, really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched, steaks hand cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? From the newly renovated sports bar to the beautiful bayside views captured at the Tiki Bar, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill has it all. Located at mile marker 104, the Big Chill also offers waterfront dining, while experiencing breathtaking sunset views of the Florida Keys. It's simply the hottest spot in the Keys to cool off. That's Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill at mile marker 104 in Key Largo. For more information, call today at 305-453-9066. All right, one thing that I love about you, Tony, and uh, we discovered this over time, although it took a while to kind of uh, realize what the heck was really going on there. As distinguished as you are, and as many people as you deal with, with your various committees that you're on, Orange Ball, this, that, boards of uh, trustees of universities, deep inside, I mean, lurks. I, I don't know that it's a sick degenerate, but there is a degenerate nature, and nobody loves college it- football. I believe next to women's softball, college football is really... The most passionate sport that, that you're all about, Tony Segreto. Is that not correct? I love it. I love it. Let, let's say we talk about being the intelligent degenerate, the one who, like, doesn't say it out loud. But, <laughs> Those are mutually but exclusive, keep, my like, friend. But keep, yeah, there is no yeah, intelligent yeah, yeah. degenerate. If you're a degenerate, well, you've already shown a lack of intelligence. Uh, <laughs> Devo and Luby love kicking it old school with the legendary Tony Segreto. <laughs> It cracks me up. Uh, I mean, it took yeah, me a while really does. to sink in when you said intelligent degenerate. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, the uh, I just I just watched the uh, I just watched the social media announcement that uh, oh, yeah? Brady oh, the Brady posted. Thing, the Brady yeah. Thing. 
Yeah, yeah it was interesting. Yeah. Was there a Fox logo uh, associated <laughs> with no, it? No, no, no. He was outside. He was out. He did it himself on his phone, <laughs> and it was outside <laughs> in you know by uh, by the beach, and you could see okay. the, you could hear the wind flapping, and um, it, it seemed it was very heartfelt. So it was, that'd be uh, funny if he closed uh, it. I mean, out. love him or hate him, man. You have to applaud his career. Right? You know, absolutely. Guy, yeah. Remarkable absolutely. accomplishments for a guy yeah, that uh, you know, just, came in as you know, a relatively obscure player. Yep, absolutely. So, and I remember that whole thing, that whole season there where he uh, came in for Bledsoe yep. and Bledsoe came back and it was kind of an Earl Morrill greasy speaking of the 72 yeah, team absolutely. thing there or, where or, Bledsoe or, had to bail Brady out. Or, uh, or a Lou Gehrig one. Yeah. You know, well, you know, I, you know that too. But yeah, uh, yeah. in that season, as I recall, uh, did uh, Bledsoe not have to come back in in the postseason at some point and rally the right. Patriots when, when Brady got hurt? I, 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 you know, I want to say that happened somewhere early on. And then, you know, obviously a brilliant move by Belichick to stick with a very, uh, you know, impossible decision. Bledsoe, uh, you know, it was the Bambino there when it came to quarterbacks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, here's Tom Brady, this uh, skinny, nothing looking sixth round draft pick. And, you know, he has a couple of games where he looks OK. Yeah. And uh, and the next thing you know, Belichick says, I'm, I'm sticking with the kid. Yeah. You're yeah. like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, uh that, that was uh, like Schnellenberger going with uh, Bernie over oh to my Cincinnati gosh, yeah. and uh, uh, Kyle Vanderbilt. Listen, no? that was yeah, that was, uh, that was a big time. That was a big time deal. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy to to round up men who all have pretty strong egos, all have a personalities, and and make them be a team. It's just it's not easy. And when you think of the great coaches, the really great great coaches. You know, the Hallises, the Chuck Knowles, of course, the Don Shulas and, the, you know, guys like that, you know, Tom Landry, Lombardi. You know, when you think of the great ones, for them to have lasted as long as they did, for them to have, you know, been, been able to take a group of men and, and make them one uh, it's, and, and, make, and make tough decisions like Belichick with Brady and, and Bledsoe, like Shula with Earl and Greasy during that championship game. Um, and, and you'll hear about that in the in the special coming up. Uh, it was it was uh, it, it takes a lot. It, it takes it takes a lot of stones to do it. And uh, it, it takes compassion as well, because they have to be able to handle all the egos. And I, I you know, the more that we hung around, you and I got a chance to, you know, literally have Shula as part of our family. Um, I know for me, uh, you hang around them enough. And and Jimmy, like I had time with Jimmy and Howard. Um, they rub off on you and you, and you find out you're doing things kind of like they did. And, and you, whether it's time management or, or time discipline or discipline just in your life. Um, it, it's, I think it's just, it's remarkable. It's a remarkable uh, vocation and the great ones are, are far above the re that's the reason they're great because they do those things. I uh, appreciate the kind words there, uh, Tony. It was always a pleasure, uh, Anytime you're around a hurricane program, we always felt like uh, we were in the presence of uh, legendary stature when it came to broadcasting. Uh, all right, Jeremy Schaff's going to join us here uh, shortly here on the program. Uh, how are you looking with that, Mike Luby Lewitz? Uh, any uh, last second now. calls? Okay. All right. So, yeah, he, so we'll, he comes we'll out at 845. Yeah. How, how did you fare uh, last week in the games, uh, Tony? What was your thought? I did uh, okay. I, I, yeah. I, I did okay. I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, we didn't do a lot, but I did okay. I, I did right. okay to, to make a little money and, and we're good. So. Oh, you were back? I, I was actually, like a maniac. <clears throat> can I tell you what? I was yeah. surprised. I don't know what it was. I don't know how you felt about it, but I thought, is Jeremy there? He's there? Okay. Oh, great. Awesome. 
Uh, can we pop him up? Is he doing video uh, with us uh, here, Mike Lubitz? Yes, yes, yes. Whoa! <laughs> I was told it was audio only. Uh, guess what? There <laughs> isn't. Guess well, we what? Do have there us. That's okay. <laughs> All right, uh, let me make the introduction oh, here for you, Tony, because uh, we go way back, and I mentioned this earlier. It was something that will always stand out as a career highlight for me. Uh, uh, many, many years ago, when Jeremy was uh, first uh, making his meteoric rise up the uh, ladder there, uh, of uh, importance at ESPN and doing virtually everything. Uh, he had kind of a unique way of signing off uh, after his uh, performances. And I had a friend, uh, Frank Miramati, who's now a race caller at Santa Anita. And uh, we'll be calling at Saratoga. And he did an impression. He calls me one night. He says, hey, you ever seen this guy, Jeremy Schapp, on TV? I go, yeah, 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 he's good. Dick, Dick Schapp, I loved him. And uh, he said, well, he has kind of this unique thing that he does. And, and so he started doing a Jeremy Schapp impression on our show in the morning and it became so that. popular but the problem was uh you know the character kept getting more and more out of bounds uh, you know much wilder than the actual jeremy shop who's very well grounded <laughs> so we get a call and uh and and the uh, producer says to us hey the real jeremy shop wants to come on the show what should i do i said put him on <laughs> and i remember jeremy you were very gracious you said i think at the time that you were aware of the impression and so we did a dueling shaps and the audience decided <laughs> the audience decided that the phony Shap was the real Jeremy Shap. Story of my life. Do you remember this thing? Or uh, does that ring a bell with you? I mean, that was years it ago. Does. No, I, I totally remember that. I remember watching the clip. I mean, when, when he, Frank would do it during races. Yeah. I, I was extremely flattered. And I remain flattered. Yeah, Frank. Beautiful. By the way, Frank is a legendary, another track announcer. That's just, you know, that voice is resonates in your head. No. Uh, it, it really and that is an incredible skill. Being yeah. able to do that. I mean, it it's really so is. far beyond anything I can even imagine. Yeah. Like how, I mean, it takes such, um, you know, a set of pipes. It takes such dedication. It, it you know, you've got to be on. It's like the guy in the FedEx commercial, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a remarkable skill. I admire those yeah. guys immensely. Hey, so Jeremy, thank you for for being with us. Yeah, I, 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 I talked to I talked to. It's I, my fault. I'm sure it was. No, no. Video I'm Listen, like, I I oh, I, I, no. I got I'm the kids out the door for school. Yeah. My wife's off skiing somewhere. She yeah. deserts yeah. me every week for the mountain. So I've got like <laughs> I got like calls. I got I I, 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 I you know it's I should I'm I'm very you're blessed. Very lucky, but yeah. yeah are you hand. are you in are you in Connecticut? I am. Yeah, so I just left Vermont four days ago. So I, uh, I where I, were you? Yeah, I live. We we have a home. We live in the middle, of, right by Okemo. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So a lot we're, of people I, in the we're, town where I live go up to Okemo. It's, yeah, so we, we live in a we live in a little town of two hundred and fifty people. We're there about eight eight months out of the year or so. So uh, I so came great. down. I came down now because uh, of a few things that we're doing here, and it was it was time. You know, my wife said, "Okay, we're we're starting February." It's time for us to go to Florida for a month and a half or two months. Then we'll come back. Oh, so, you know what? If I had the option right now, I'd be right there with you guys. Yeah. Well, listen, so listen, I talked to Danny Lindbergh. I said, how about we have you on? He goes, no, Jeremy would love to do it. But I got to see some of the ex excerpts, uh, Jeremy, and, I, and, and I'm honored to be a part of the, the show. But to, well, you're terrific, to see the trailer, Tony. thank and, you. And we're, we're so thankful that you are a part of this project, which we're excited about. And you should be give give people, you know, your take. You got a chance to interview so many people. And I said to Jeff and, and Luke. 
lost kind of lost Tony there for a second. <laughs> oh, it wasn't uh, me. Okay, that's not, I'm sure. Oh, I hope it's not me. It's not my, <laughs> my internet's pretty solid. Yeah, no, I know you're solid. I, I, I think where it was going was, uh, you know, uh, yeah. the uh, general impression that you had, uh, you know, in, in going back in time and, and, you know, taking a look at the 72 I, team. I love that stuff. I, yeah. I love nostalgia. I love sports history in general. Uh, you know, this team is so special. It's obviously the one and only in its category all time. And it's not just, you know, a, a great team, but there are so many great personalities, so many great characters. You know, I interviewed a few of the guys, the director, Tony was talking about Dan Lindbergh, who really did the work here, which is usually the case in these things. Yeah. Uh, he interviewed more of the guys, but I, I had a chance to sit down with Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris, Manny Fernandez, uh, and many more uh, were interviewed by Dan. and. There, there are so many, as I said, great personalities and, and, you know, talking to these guys about what they achieved and, and how they did it. Um, and, you know, it all comes back to, as you guys know better than I, it all comes back to Super Bowl six. It all comes back to not winning Super Bowl six, getting trounced in Super Bowl six by Dallas. And, and the theme for the rest of the year, nobody's thinking about perfection. Nobody's thinking, you know, we're going to go 14 and 0. They're thinking about getting back to the Super Bowl and, and perfection. You know, it's uh, to um, to borrow uh, to paraphrase Vince Lombardi. You know, capturing excellence in the pursuit of perfection or whatever. They captured perfection in the pursuit of winning the Super Bowl, and, yeah. and that's you know that's just what had had to happen for them after they won all the regular season games. Hey, sorry, guys, my, my computer just died. Uh, Jeremy, I, I did want to finish that thought. The way we open this this uh, special with you and Mercury Morris and Mercury sitting by the champagne, yeah. uh, I thought that was so, first of all, it was so vintage Eugene Morris. Uh, and for you to get that out of him, uh, I, I've, uh, without giving too much of it away, I, I think you should tell some of the people what they're in, in for just in that one moment. Oh, yeah. So, so we're sitting there with, with Mercury in his home. And uh, I think we take you back in October. I, I got a nice little trip to South Florida, you know, to go speak to Mercury. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, there are days, as you guys know, when the job, uh, you know, might require a little bit more. One of those days when you're interviewing Mercury Morris doesn't yeah. Fire much. <laughs> no, no. Yes, you, you ask him more than one question. You say hello. You'll, yeah, you'll go in with three questions and yeah. you'll be there for the entire day. <laughs> and, and, and I wish I could have spent, I think we probably sat there on camera for a couple of hours, yeah. at least two hours. We could have gone on all day. He's so great. He's so magnetic. He's so charming. He has such vivid recollections. Um, and, and we happen to be sitting there and he's got... Uh, uh, what would you call it? You know, bad like a break, speech. a break front, a break, a break front. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's got, and I'm asking him about, you know, the tradition of, you know, celebrating when the last unbeaten team goes down each year and all that. And he's got a bottle of Dom Perignon in there in this cabinet and he opens it up and he says, I'm saving this for whoever gets, you know, the record. And wow. of course he's hoping no one does, but yeah. um, you know, I'm thinking to myself, uh, so great. You know, the way that he expresses it, the way that he talks about it, he's totally, you know, and all the guys, you know, they're, they're unashamedly rooting for their record to, to be uh, the record forever. And why wouldn't they? Um, and, uh, you know, one point though, later I watch, I'm like, that's so great. And then I'm thinking to myself, I 
52 guys on a team. How are they all going to drink some of that champagne? They're going to get like, <laughs> gonna have a drop. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a magnum. It was just a regular bottle. Tiny bubbles. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy, I, I think, I think you'd agree with me. I, I, in, in, in spending so much time like I have with these guys, you know, the first five years or so <clears throat> after they had set the record, I don't think they thought much of going undefeated and winning the championship. I obviously they felt relieved, but I think as the years wore on when it got to year 10 or year 15, I think they began to realize a legacy that they could have if they could keep that record intact. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think in the moment, you know, it was uh, different. You know, at that point, the league's half a century old. There had been a couple of teams previously that had completed perfect regular seasons. They probably didn't think any of them that we'd be here 50 years later, they'd still be the only ones. You know, and, and, and you know, what's, what's great about getting the opportunities to do these kinds of stories, the anniversaries, the big round numbers, your know, perspectives change. You know, it, it, you know, a lot has been done on the 72 Dolphins. We're not the first people to discover, oh, wow, there was this undefeated team. Let's do a documentary. <laughs> but, you know, perspectives change over the years and the way that people reflect on things and their memories, um, those that they choose to emphasize. A and, you know, people are willing to say things and they might be more reflective and more introspective now in their 70s than they were in their 40s or their 50s. Okay, well, well, Jeremy, I, I, it's funny because we're in the biosphere of South Florida. So this means so much to us. Like to this day, my mother grew up with that group and she always had a beef with Dan Marino because he wasn't on that group, which it wasn't Dan Marino's fault. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm just always curious. Still hates Marino to this day. What do you want from he's me? Greasy, Why wasn't he born earlier? <laughs> what do you want him to be? So I just, it holds such, and those guys, the irreverence around that group to this day is such a big thing. But I'm always curious, where do they stand nationally? Where do they stand in the lore of football? Where do they stand in the New Yorks, the Chicago? Well, I'm not a South Florida guy, right? Yeah, I, yeah. But I am, you know, a sports history guy. And, you know, I, I a few weeks ago, I posted the trailer on Twitter. I tweeted it out for the show. And, you know, I, I'm not a big Twitter guy, but I promote stuff on there. And, you know, I thought I... You know, I thought it was totally innocuous. I said, you know, not only the greatest team ever, but some of the greatest characters ever. And just put the, and people, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, people are going crazy. Not the greatest team ever. You know, they get crushed by the 07 Patriots or the 85 Bears. I'm like, okay, that, that's all fair. But, you know, those teams didn't win all their games. Obviously, the 07 Patriots didn't Close. win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to break it to people, but they lost Super Bowl 42 <laughs> to the Giants. So I think that disqualifies. Yeah. Um, as for the mm -hmm. 85 Bears, you can make a case at any given moment, but we all know what happened when they played the Dolphins that mm -hmm. season. And, and, and I don't think it's a big leap to say the only team that ever won all its games is the greatest team. Yeah. Um, Did you get any death threats, uh, Jeremy? I'm sorry? Did you get any death threats uh, after tweeting that out? You know, at a certain point, you just kind of stop paying attention. Uh, but it was, it was more – my point is yeah. not about the specifics of who's the greatest yeah. or how you define the greatest, but the passion people yep. have for yeah. these topics. Yeah. Half a century later, you know, people say, oh, you know, the 07 Patriots would be by 30 points. And then it's like, you know – you know, the, the, the old cliche, well, the Dolphins at point would have been in their sixties. Of course they would be, <laughs> you, know, or, you know, however, you, you know, it's yeah. tough comparing among your, 
you guys know my dad was so close with the 60s Packers, the Lombardi yeah. Packers. And those are the guys I grew up with. Jerry Kramer's my godfather. He's one of the greatest influences in my life. Um, and, and I spent a lot of time, you know, reunions of those guys. And I think they won five NFL titles in seven seasons. Okay. <clears throat> are they the greatest dynasty ever? I would say for, a, if you're defining dynasty by decade, yes. If you're talking about longer than that, you know, than two decades, then it's the Patriots yeah. and the six that they won with Brady and Belichick and and so many of the other figures on the team turning over. Uh, if you're going to talk about one season, it's pretty hard to beat winning all your games, even if your opponent's winning percentages yeah. at the end of it were, what was it, 380 or it something bad, like yeah. that. But, you know, they, they had to go on the road to win the title game. That's yeah. never going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it rotated back then. It wasn't based on record. Uh, they lost their starting quarterback, who happened to be a first-team All-Pro the year before in week five. Yep. They bring in 38-year-old Earl Morrill <laughs> for the next, what is it, 11 games, yeah. it, and they stay undefeated. So the things that they overcame, the challenges that they faced, to me, you know, it's like what Mercury Morris says in the film. We had the best offense. We had the best defense. You know, I think we were the least penalized. We forced the most turnovers. We committed the fewest turnovers. They did everything well. They didn't make this. Yeah, and it was, wasn't was just the 38-year-old quarterback who in one of the games actually ran 20-something yards for a touchdown and, and outran people. It was like, how does that happen? But we're talking about a patchwork offensive line featuring a, a guy whose family was in the circus, a guy who was discarded <laughs> by four teams, uh, a, a Larry Little, who when he introduced to Coach Shula, Coach Shula said, how much do you weigh? And when he told him, he walked away, right? <laughs> so, which, which, you know, I knew that story before when I saw it on the trailer. I said, oh, it's that funny, was Jerry, because me. that moment now, the way it reads, I think, for generations, I'm not sure if people are going to understand watching now, like 285, like, That's you got to go put on some weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, of course, he's saying in 1972, it's like, you better yeah. get in shape. Yeah, so, so you know. yeah, to put it in perspective, guys, when Larry introduced himself to Shula, Shula he says, "I'm your I'm your offensive guard," and Shula goes, "How much do you weigh?" He goes, 285. Shula walked away, never said another <laughs> word. <laughs> so I, I, yeah. I think it's great stuff, Jeremy. Yeah, the, the so late great uh, Jim Manich used to tell that story that uh, he showed up and he had a Volkswagen van with a bunch of uh, you know flowers painted on it uh, as he showed up as the uh, number one draft pick out of Michigan, and he had hair down to his shoulders and looked a little, a little raggedy. Uh, was a bit of a hippy-dippy type. And uh, he said uh, Shula looked at uh, you know at him and, and then turned to the coach that was next to him. Might have been Carl Tassif, uh, you know, who was uh, you know the guy that uh, came in and, and made all the cuts. And uh, he said, that's our number one draft pick and was the captain of the Michigan football team. <laughs> and uh, and that was his first impression of Mandich, yeah, who was instrumental, obviously, in the 72 team success. And Zonka, you know, I asked him, what did you think of Don Shula the first time you met him? And he just said, I didn't like him at all. You know, <laughs> and, and they got the shared Hungarian background. Yeah. And, you know, and there was, you know, it's, you know, he came in, he was 40 years old. He was hard charging. He was relentless. His methods today would not be acceptable. You know, it's a different game. Um, but he was a perfectionist and he had a chip on his shoulder after losing Super Bowl three in the 64 NFL title game <clears throat> to the Browns. And, and it's, it's hard to, you know, uh, relate to this day, but Don Shula at that point when he's hired in 1970, still had something to prove and he yeah. proved it. Yeah, he did. And I think that Jeremy, when, when you started this, the, the segment, you know, talking about they were 
you know, Super Bowl six was was the driving force behind all of this. And I think for Shula, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, uh, losing the name of Super Bowl three was the driving force behind behind yeah, yeah, all of that. Yeah. I, I think that there was that was the quest. Um, you know, I, I never got a chance to know what he asked the Lord when he went to mass every morning. But it had to be you've got to help me win another one or win one. Finally, <laughs> no doubt. You know, you know, no so, doubt. Uh, you know, the stories are so great. And I think, you know, I mean, they're perfect. Right. But would people look at it a little bit differently if they had actually won that Super Bowl 17 to zero the way, you know, it should have gone if, you know, if if everything works out with that attempt and your premium doesn't make, you know, I I like to call it the, the most ill-advised pass attempt in the history of uh, tackle football. And, (laughs) And that was the idea, you know, that was the first time all year, the only time all year in the final moments where, you know, Shula was kind of looking at um, poetry and how they would be perceived by posterity because the symmetry of 17-0 and a 17 nothing season. And then look what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, we, we so hey, look forward to this, uh, to this special, Jeremy. And like I said, I am just so honored to be a part of it. And uh, oh, It's uh, great we'll, to have you in there, Tony. It really you know, well, it's been it's been special, and I really admire what Dan Lindbergh and what you have been able to do to put this together. I think people are going to be moved by it. Again, it's going to call the Perfect Train, and it's on ABC Sunday, right before the Pro Bowl, right, Jeremy? That's right. It's on at noon Sunday on ABC. Right, and then it's on ESPN and ESPN two, and I believe on Thursday at one o'clock they're going to have Don, uh, Larry Zonka on live on the ESPN well, that's right. yeah, Sport, Sports Center. That's right. Um, Tomorrow I, I'm interviewing Larry on Sports Center. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's the, the one o'clock Sports Center, right? One o'clock. Yeah. And the that segment, you know, is usually on around 1 30. Right. Right. Terrific. Excellent. Right. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy thank you for stuff. being thanks. all of us. Thank you guys. Thanks, thanks for dealing with the with not really there was video going on and you're you look great. You look, you look great. Better than us. Stay warm yeah. in Connecticut and uh, honored to have you on with us. <laughs> uh, always a good guy. Thanks, guys. Jeremy Shep. So thanks. Much fun. Right. Thanks, Jeremy. Jeremy Shep. ESPN. ESPN. That's the way you say it's the way you dropped that in. It was unbelievable. My friend that picked was, up on uh, that. That was great to have him on. No, he's a really good guy, Tony. I mentioned this earlier before you came on that uh, I, I was at a Met game uh, many years ago, and uh, and Jeremy actually uh, was with somebody, uh, I guess, uh, you know, from one of the ESPN shows, and he sat in front of us. My buddy Iron, me, uh, I were the Met fan, and uh, people were coming up to him the whole time. He could not have been a- any more accommodating to everybody. Uh, he's shooting a breeze with the fans. I mean, he, he's yeah. just a genuinely good guy. And yeah. uh, you could see yeah. that from the interview yeah. that we had with him, which was great. All right, Tony. Yeah, I got a bolt. I got a wrap, baby. He's um, heading to Jimmy Johnson's place today. So oh, great. This is uh, the day. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, get, yeah, you know, so give him our regards and tell him I we'll will. be down there to the big chill pretty soon. You got it. All right, brother. Listen, all bye, right, thanks. guys. Luby, thanks for setting all this up. No we'll see you all next week. Drive Jeff, safe. don't Drive forget, safe. Sunday at uh, noon o'clock. Uh, noon, noon o'clock on Sunday for the, uh, oh, oh, for the perfect uh, train. Oh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. For sure. Perfect train. Okay. You forgot already. My God, it was like 10 seconds ago. I got, I got to see you on it. All right. Uh, thanks, Tony. Thanks. Appreciate Talk it. To Tony Zagato, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. Old school. Special edition there of uh, old school, you would have to say. Uh, Jeremy Schaap was great, wasn't he? Yeah, he was tremendous. All right. Uh, we're going to come back with Jessica Blaylock. Uh, yes. Is that what we're doing? We're going to take okay, a break. Okay. Very good. Jessica Blaylock is going to join us. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, she can talk about the uh, NHL All-Star Weekend on tap here. And uh, we'll touch on the Panthers and what's going on with the Marlins as well as uh, we continue. 
an extended edition of the uh, Depot Show here on this fine Wednesday. Tomorrow, the uh, Hylia Park Trivia Challenge, and then Friday, Degenerate Friday. And uh, we'll get some uh, early previews of our handicappers' uh, viewpoints on what's going to happen uh, the following Sunday, which, uh, by the way, Luby, I have another one of those junkets that just came up, Atlantic City. And we're flying out on Super Bowl Sunday, but we'll be there for the Super Bowl. So that'd be cool, right? Being a casino uh, sports book. I think I might go over to the Borgata. They have an outstanding, an outstanding sports book over there and uh, watch it there. So, although they, they, they charge you ballpark prices for the beers there. So uh, maybe I'll just take advantage of the uh, casino comps that we have at Harrods. <laughs> Little TV screens. All right. Uh, back with more. Uh, we're we're going to continue. So stick with us. Back with more in a moment. Now that. The time. Uh, how much for these drinks? It's uh, 903. Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play. When you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, highly apart. Hey folks, Tony Segretto here. You know, since day one, Catholic Health Services has been part of old school. And since we've started letting people know about them, it's changed their lives. You see, Catholic Health Services, while being recognized as one of the top places for stroke rehab in the country, it's also about a group of people who not just excel in what they do, from the doctors to the nurses to the therapist, on and on and on. It's how they do what they do every single day that separates them from the pack. They do it with a passion, unmatched, and the inclusion of family in every step of the process. Trust me when I tell you this. If you want the best unmatched rehab with a special group of skilled, caring people, there is truly only one place, and that one place is Catholic Health Services. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. You know, people don't like being lied to. That's always the thing. With Pete Rose, if he had just said, of course I bet the Reds. What are you talking about? I had money on every game. We know you did, Pete. It's all right. I mean, now it would be accepted. In fact, uh, they would have uh, – it's only a matter of time before the manager of the two teams is asked who he likes in the game. <laughs> all right, we're going down on the field there. Uh, we got Tony LaRusso. Tony, uh, what do you think tonight? White Sox minus 135? Well, you know, we're going to go to the pen right away, and I'm going to make like seven righty-lefty switches at inappropriate times, and I'm going to wear out my bullpen. In fact, all of these guys worked in the game last night, so I, I would think this. I would take the points, take the runs, and take the price on the Boston Red Sox tonight to beat us. I would not lay uh, 135 to win 100 on the Chicago White Sox. Okay, thanks, Tony. Let's go to Alex Cora. Cora, what do you got? 
<laughs> well, you know, we got all our heavy hitters at the beginning of the lineup tonight, uh, and they really pound this White Sox pitcher the last time he was out there. So I would think that we're a good bet, money line, <laughs> straight up. <laughs> When's that going to happen? I mean, that's going to be part of the pregame shows now. Enjoy your trip to work with lots of laughs, thanks to Defo and Luby. Now on the Defo Show. Not sure this is true, but I thought I saw Pete Rose behind Jill Biden in the box there <laughs> with Roger Goodell getting set to uh, take over uh, some major capacity in uh, legislating what goes on in the uh, NFL. Probably be in charge of officials, Pete Rose. That'd be great uh, while uh, advocating for FanDuel. All right, uh, this is great. We're extending the program here a little bit because we wanted to talk about something that's happening here in South Florida, and that is the uh, NHL All-Star Weekend and uh, one of our favorites from Valley Sports Florida. And uh, this young lady does a marvelous job, whether she's uh, talking about or even trying chocolate-covered uh, caterpillars or, uh, you know, talking about some bizarre Bill James uh, mathematical statistical permutation. Equally adept, uh, we welcome to the show the lovely Jessica Blaylock. Uh, Jessica, how are you? Thanks so much for uh, coming on the program this morning. Really appreciate it. I am great. How are you guys? Good morning. We're fantastic. Doing all right. You foresee that happening where they go down on the field? I mean, you might be involved in these kind of interviews uh, where you have to ask the manager uh, who he likes, uh, you know, in terms of the price and or over the first five innings. This is something Minervini uh, would probably be an advocate of. I was just about to say, I would pay money to have a front row seat to watching Craig ask managers and coaches about the money line in game. In game, in game. for that. And game would be so great. <laughs> it's bound to become a requirement, I would think, of uh, you know any, any kind of sideline reporting or field yeah. uh, reporting because uh, you know they, they they come so close. I mean, to having uh, the commissioner himself actually pick the games. All right, well, you know we have the All Star Game here in town. Uh, how much of a distinction is that, uh, in your opinion, uh, Jessica Playlock? Because um, I, I used to be a huge fan of the NHL All Star Game. Speaking of degenerates, because uh, it was an annuity on the over, no matter how high they made the total. <laughs> is that nobody played any defense, much like the NBA All-Star game. So 16-13 was not uncommon with Gretzky having nine goals to take the MVP. But uh, what exactly is the the All-Star game now in, in terms of uh, its format and configuration? And, and how important is it that it's here in South Florida, in your opinion? Yeah. First off, I would like to say that the only player in the history of the NHL All-Star game who actually has played defense is Alexander Barkov. <laughs> because the <laughs> captain doesn't want to get scored on even in an all-star game. Wow, I wow. That's is, I think it's fantastic. If you go back and watch Barkov's first all-star appearance, um, yeah, he, he actually gets after it, which I, which wow. I appreciate. Um, no, it's, it's a huge deal. You know, I just interviewed uh, the commissioner, Gary Bettman, on Monday and, and talked about the importance of, of having an event like that in a market like this you know, where you think of, of South Florida and we always hear the word non-traditional market, you know, you think, you think hockey markets, you think Toronto, you think um, Chicago and New York and, and, you know, Detroit and, and a lot of these original six teams and, and so forth. Um, But now when you think hockey, especially with what the team did last year, you know, you, you do start to think Florida Panthers. So I think it's a huge deal to, to be able to have, uh, the all-star game in a market like South Florida with a team like the Florida Panthers um, and the way that that hockey has truly grown, you know, between the Florida Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, how great that rivalry has become. Um, and just, just seeing the emergence of, of 
wonderful sport in the Sunshine State. Um, and then, of course, I, I think of all the All-Star games, I think hockey is the most fun. Um, oh, yeah? Okay. You get to see three-on-three combinations of just elite players that you'd never get to see play together before. You know, we could see a line of Alexander Barkov and the Kachuk brothers. You know, how much fun is that going to be? Um, so I, I love the skills competition, and, and I love all of the things that the Panthers are doing this week for the fans, um, for the community, you know, including a beach cleanup on Sunday. So I, it's, I think it's a really, really cool week here, you know, getting to showcase one of the fun events throughout the course of the NHL season. The lovely Jessica Blaylock, Valley Sports Florida, with us here. And uh, also, I mean, does a fine job covering the Miami Marlins, uh, which we'll get to uh, as well. Is Paul Maurice the French Joe Philbin? We're trying to figure out. <laughs> you know, he didn't say a lot of compelling stuff. I mean, it just doesn't seem like he operates with a ton of fire. I mean, two guys get penalized and thrown out of the game. Uh, the Panthers are forced to play 5-1-3 for 10 minutes. And uh, after the game, he's like, well, you know, they'll learn a lesson from that. Um uh, how, you, how have you found his tenure so far? Because you're, you're there, uh, you this know, with these guys the all the time. Coach, yeah, this is the same head coach that just got fined 25 grand a couple of weeks ago for his post-game comments about officiating. So he's got, oh, good. He's all right. So he's firing up. For sure, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. No, I, I love, I have absolutely loved getting to know Paul Marie. Um, and I enjoy getting to talk to him. And I think he is the type of person who – even if you, you throw him a, a rough question, a bad question, he's going to find a way to give you an answer. He's going to find a way to give you some content. And, yeah, that may not necessarily be defined by a, a fiery demeanor at all times. I think quite the opposite. I think he's very accommodating. I think he's very friendly. Um, he's like a gentleman. He's a great, yes, he does. Great coach to work with. Great coach to work with. Always makes time for you one-on-one. After the scrum, if you need some, some extra time with him, um, he, he has been very, very supportive of myself and Katie Angleson, our new Panthers reporter this season, just making sure that we always have the opportunity to get our questions in, um, making sure our voices are always heard, making sure that we as women in the sport don't get overshadowed. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of Paul Marie. How would you characterize the season so far? I mean, uh, last year, these guys were lighting up and, uh, I guess uh, I heard Goldie reference uh, a stat, or maybe it was uh, the Red Deer Randy Muller uh, uh, doing the color analysis that, uh, you know, they, they had had an incredible number of comebacks last year, like uh, 23 times or something. There. They went to the third period trailing, came out with a win in the game. And then this year, it's a direct opposite. Uh, yeah. and, and you would think that, you know, they, they tried to, uh, you know, enhance their chances of doing more of that uh, with the Huberdo for uh, Kachuk trade. But, um, you know, it, it hasn't had that impact, even though, I mean, no one could take away uh, what uh, Kachuk has done. I mean, he, he's been exactly what uh, you would figure he would be, uh, you know, a top caliber, uh, you know, scorer and a tough guy as well uh, in terms of uh, what he infuses into the team from that uh, standpoint. But uh, how would you characterize the season? I mean, is, is it going well? Uh, is it showing signs of life? Or what would you say, Jessica? Yeah, it's a it's a great question and um, a question that I think has a little bit more of a complicated answer than people want to hear. And right. let me preface this with, you know, I'm not making excuses as to where the team is right now. Everybody in that dressing room would tell you that they're 
extremely disappointed that they're not in a playoff spot and extremely disappointed that the results as far as wins and losses have not been better yet. So let, let me say I, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to maybe help characterize and explain maybe why this team is where they are compared to what they were doing last year. I think the first thing that you have to understand is for years, this team has operated on being a high power, high skilled offensive powerhouse. You know, we saw last year their ability to outscore their opponents, but it was a lot more higher scoring games. I think this new system that's been implemented this season where you're not just trying every night to outscore your opponents. You're actually trying to develop a style of play that would be successful in the playoffs. Um, it takes longer than just a handful of games for some guys to unlearn that old type of system yeah. and be able to play this new type of system. It takes even more than maybe just a couple of months. You think about anything in your life that you have to unlearn. It's not necessarily an easy process. And some of these have been, some of these guys have been playing that style of hockey for years. So I think one, there's more growing pains than people anticipated of learning a new system, but a system that is designed to teach you how to play in low scoring games with a defensive minded approach versus an offensive minded approach. Um, and I'm hoping that these, these growing pains in the long run end up paying off. Um, so I think that's the first thing. I, I think the second thing is you, you never want to fall back on, you know, injuries as an excuse because every team in the league has injuries at some point and into key players. But the number of injuries that this team has dealt with this season really is off the charts. You know, currently right now, going into the break, playing without Sergei Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight, you know, your top two goalies. Yeah. They were without Alexander Barkov for 10 games. They missed Aaron Ekblad for a significant chunk. Patrick Hornquist hasn't played since, I think, the third week of the season. Um, you've been without Anthony Duclair, a 30-goal scorer with a ton of speed who helps change the dynamic of, of your lines. You've been with him for the entire, you know, without him for the entire first half of the season. So, you know, I think injuries also has played into what's been going on as well. Um, you know, and so I, I think it's kind of a combination of a couple of different things that is frustrating as it is, it, it has had a legitimate impact on results and, and, you know, overall team performance, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, like, like you say, the fans don't necessarily, uh, you know, appreciate uh, a diminishing in the emphasis uh, on the offensive side. But uh, if the goal was to become playoff uh, tested and tough so you can get by teams like the Lightning, who uh, certainly exhibit all of that, uh, you know, right. which uh, right. they got hammered in that series last year. It cost the coach's job after he had a marvelous season. And uh, so if you're going to make a change, I, I guess you have to try and do it, uh, you know, with, with an eye ahead on uh, what's going to happen in the postseason. Uh, Luby, who, who is uh, our show's version of Don Cherry, well, uh, has something for you, Jessica. I was going to switch mind. gears because the Panthers, for as, I guess, forgotten as they may be sometimes down here in South Florida, on the ice at least, really showed a progression and broke through last year, new coach, 
Um, and we're and they played better the last month plus, and they are on the just on the outside of the playoffs. They're not totally out of it. Yeah, Marlins, who Jessica also covers really closely and really well, uh, have been forgotten. And the play on the field was not what we were expecting going into last year. This offseason, they've tried to be active, and recently they made a really big move in getting Arias from the Twins, back to back batting champion out of the AL. Chisholm's offered to move to the center field, and he's like stoked which is rare for a superstar. Jazz Chisholm's now going to be on the cover of MLB The Show 23, showing that he does have a national presence that not all Marlins have. And they went to make a big move for Barnes, a reliever out of Boston, which they've needed relief help for years. Where are you with the Marlins? As we were really excited going into last season, and they fell flat. We've heard them try to do more this offseason, and they finally did make a couple moves. Where are the Marlins coming into next season? Yeah, and, and Gene Segura, you know, part of the moves that they made during the offseason. I think the word that comes to mind for me when I think of the Marlins is intrigued. I'm highly, highly intrigued because it, this team's going to look a lot different this season. You know, no Miguel Rojas, no Brian Anderson, um, and and then factoring in some of those key acquisitions, you know, uh, and a uh, Luis a rise, a Gene Segura, you know, a, a Matt Barnes who they just picked up the other day. You're expecting Jorge Soler to be healthy. Soler to win, You're expecting Abisayo Garcia to be healthy and back to the production that you were hoping to get out of them. Um, you know, obviously the departure of Pablo is so sad because I, I personally just love Pablo Lopez so much as a human being. And I, I thought him and Sandy were such a great one to punch, especially with what Pablo was able to do, but I understand having to give up a piece like that to acquire a player like Arise from the Twins. So um, I'm, I'm very, very, very intrigued because if Soler and if Avi can produce the power numbers yeah. that they're capable of, and then you've got some really good contact hitters in your lineup as well, you've still got a, a good really good starting staff anchored by Sandy, you know, Cy Young winner. You, you mix in a guy like Johnny Cueto. Um, they're a very intriguing team to me. Now, look, the NL East is brutal. You know, the Mets just went and got Justin Verlander. The Phillies went and got Trey Turner. Um, the Braves are, are just a season removed from going to the World Series. The Phillies just went to the World Series this past season. The Nationals got that massive haul in the Juan Soto trade, and those guys all got to play together at the end of last season and create some chemistry. So, you know, the NL East is is by no means a cakewalk, and that's kind of the only thing that concerns me is just the division in general. But I am very, very intrigued uh, to see what this what this kind of new look Marlins team is, is going to be able to do. I, I think it's exciting. I really do. And I, and I, I just, I can't wait to see those first couple of weeks of the season unfold. Um, especially knowing if, if you can just even produce a little bit more offensively, yeah. your, your starting staff is, is going to keep you in ball game the vast majority of the time. Uh, I don't know if I have any details on this because uh, we've been searching for this answer for a while. Because uh, uh, while Jazz Chisholm is going to be uh, on video game covers uh, on a milk carton is Sixto Sanchez, <laughs> our guy. And I remember, uh, you know, being out at spring training a couple of years ago when we were doing the shows there on 940, uh, Jessica, and you came over and everybody was saying, you know, we had Sixto fever. 
And, uh, you know, he, right. he showed some flashes and then uh, whatever happened to him, I, I don't know, was he out of shape or whatever it was that uh, impeded his progress? And, and then he, he sort of disappeared. So uh, is there a chance he resurfaces or do we find him uh, once again when we're checking out a Publix there when we turn that milk carton to the side? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a chance that he resurfaces. Uh, I know he's been putting in the work in Jupiter. Um, you know, we we got a lot of updates last year about his progress and and where he was as far as, you know, distance, like throwing distance off the mound and so forth. And um, he just had a recent Instagram post that showed he, he dropped some weight. He was looking good. So, yeah, I think he's certainly it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see if at some point he can rejoin. Um, he can rejoin this rotation, too, because when we got a glimpse of him, he certainly, certainly has nasty stuff. So, it would be great to get him back in the mix at some point, too. You look like the right-handed Danny Almonte at Williams. Uh, board. Yeah, whatever that is. <laughs> uh, in the Little League World Series, I mean, he was just mowing people down. It was fantastic. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to sustain it. Uh, all right, one last thing, if you don't mind, uh, Jessica. We appreciate you taking time to be with us this morning. Well, actually, two things. Uh, I, I saw a little feature on uh, Schumacher, one of those Marlins uh, Digest things. And, uh, yeah. I mean, seemed like a, I mean, a perfect guy, you know, I mean, we love Donnie baseball. He couldn't have been any more yeah, gracious yeah, of a human yeah. being and a really, really good guy. And he seemed to have his heart in it. Uh, you know, obviously was an experienced manager. This guy is not, but, uh, I mean, uh, you know, looks like the perfect prototype guy to maybe lead a good young team uh, to, uh, you know, some kind of a decent start and, and maybe even a, a real prosperous season. I, I totally agree. I think, uh, I think he's young enough to be able to relate well to a lot of these players. Um, and I think he's far enough removed, though, to still be able to have that good balance of, of managing a ball club and, and being a leader. Um, I think he's going to bring a fresh perspective. I think he's going to bring a fresh, brand-new energy to the clubhouse. Um, I know he's already – you know, as soon as he got hired, he reached out immediately to several players um, and, you know, to start building relationships, to, to get a feel for, for the clubhouse and things like that. So I, I think he's going to be awesome. And, you know, getting to meet him at his introductory press conference a couple months ago, I was so, just so excited about, you know, him coming here and, and him leading this team and just, again, bringing that that fresh perspective, that fresh energy. Um, and, you know, especially coming from an organization like the Cardinals who are so good at developing homegrown talent and, um, you know, have always for years been such a successful organization as far as results on the field and just culture and things like that. You know, I, I just, I think, I think it's going to be a great fit. I think it's going to be a great fit. And that's another reason to just be excited about the start of this season. All right, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you may as well get a fresh start. We'll see how that works. Uh, uh, one last thing, too, uh, and just real quickly. So so the format for the NHL All-Star game, they, they play three-on-three. Three. How, yeah. how, how is the actual All-Star game formatted? I mean, in terms of is it three 20-minute periods where you go three-on-three three the entire time? Yeah, how does that work? It's like watching, a, it's like watching yeah, it's like watching okay. overtime as far as the three-on-three. Oh, three. And then, yeah, you – I. You know, it's a great question. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm trying to think now. I'm pretty sure it's three. Well, nobody knows anymore. It's great. Yeah. Period. Did Batman know? Is Batman? Uh, did you ask him yeah, what the four man is? I bet he doesn't even know. 
So, uh, well, I, I think the format has been pretty consistent for a while yeah. now. So I, I, just, I haven't I, seen I, it. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 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 three on three and three twenty minutes period. Maybe well, that know, would be a lot. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's three ten minute periods. I don't know. Shorter. I think, uh, or yeah, maybe like maybe. two. Yeah, yeah. Two you know what? I think there you need fifty man rosters. Yeah, but, but they did that. Well, there's two games. I'm gonna have to double check. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, you'd think we'd look it up, but, but I have no idea. I honestly have no idea just what the format is for the NFL. We don't blame you. That's the thing. We don't blame you. Well, well, great stuff. I mean, as always, uh, just tremendous having you on the program. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, coming on our show. I appreciate, I appreciate you guys uh, knowing that mornings are not my strong suit. So doing what you can to make no, sure that I can jump on as late as possible. We appreciate it. No, it was great. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was nice uh, doing a little OT with uh, Jessica Blaylock. Thanks so much, Jessica. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Yeah, no no problem. I got to go get into coaching mode now. Uh, yes, she's co- aren't you coaching? The, uh, the, the Panthers alumni for uh, the NHL alumni game tonight. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, and Moeller, uh, Moeller's not in it. Uh, he, he threw his skates in the intercoastal, uh, according to our friend Jim Sarney. And uh, <laughs> yes, you know, after yes, his retirement, a while ago, okay. and we have not been able to track them down. So unfortunately, he will he will not be uh, playing tonight's game. <laughs> in hiding at the alumni <laughs> game, Pickering, uh, typical Randy Moeller. He'll be at the bar. Be on the, <laughs> Jeff Pickram will be on the NHL alumni team. Ed Jovanovski will be there. Um, oh yeah, wow, Jovo pictures. He looks like yeah, he could still kick some ass, uh, Jovo. I mean, uh, you know, oh, he does he, is he aware to take it easy on the alumni? <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. So it should be. Paul Laws fun. coming out there. Paul Laws. I mean, uh, is there a chance of seeing a fight in the alumni game? <laughs> well, that's the one piece of advice that I'm going to give my team. You know, remember to go out there and have fun, but don't be afraid to drop the gloves either. Nice. So you're old Peter Worrell, uh, you know, going to be on the <laughs> ice. Peter Worrell. Yep. Take all the goons. Take all goons, Jessica. You get the picture team. Take all uh, an all goon team and see a goon squad. Oh, I stack the team with goons. Yeah, it's the only way to do it. All right, Jessica. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Coaching tonight, huh? In the alumni game. All right, very good. Uh, That that was fun. I I always enjoy Jessica Blaylock. She's fantastic and uh, does a great job on uh, TV, Bally Sports Florida, for as long as they're in business. Uh, we'll uh, we'll catch her, <laughs> or whatever streaming uh, you know source uh, they go to. Uh, just, outlet. Maybe we can hop on board and piggyback our shows onto yeah, exactly. uh, whatever streaming uh, outlet they uh, end up on there with the Marlins and the Panthers. And then the next thing you know, we're riding a magic carpet ride to fame and fortune, Luby. Uh, all right, uh, a lot of fun. Um, all right, so uh, give me all my apologies. I'm, I'm going to try and uh, you know just stick around here because I have some things I have to take care of, some important pieces of business, and. Uh, be hard to blow the entire afternoon on that but uh, i would love to be at shenanigans uh, later on today that's uh down in dania and uh it's their only location now which uh sad that they had to close up the other place but it just makes this place much more uh, of a stand-up so uh uh i, I will uh, i'll join you by video maybe in the first second how about that because you got sure. dave Hyde, you got patrick utter all this other stuff all right uh, so we'll see you later on mike mayo's lunchbox 12 o'clock today uh for mike luby lubitz great job today it was like a lot of fun i mean having jessica and jeremy Shap. Yeah, on the show, been lighting it up with uh, you know a good array of guests out lately. I'm, uh, I'm very much appreciative of that. Football's done, so you can't. We gotta get back into creativity mode. We have to branch out into <laughs> other things. <laughs> hey, all right. Uh, see you at twelve o'clock uh, as we leave in on that. The time nine thirty.
Let's go to eat a damn snack. Look what they've done to my show.